Welcome to episode 397 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 397 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good, Bevan. Yourself? I'm feeling pretty good today. Went and did some weights before the, before the show. Nice. Pumping some iron. It's not a nice day to be biking. It's raining in Christchurch today. It's going to rain all day. You think so? Oh, no. Mm. Good old summer. It's so misty you can't even see outside, can you? Mm. No. Show people are loving us. I tell yes. you. I'm talking crying. The, 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 the clouds are crying because I hadn't qualified for Kona. That's right. The city is crying. Yeah, it's morning. Um, I'm talking proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. The tastiest coffee ever. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. So in this week's show, we've got a bit of news. We've got a discussion of the week. We've got an interview with Will O'Connor, who's uh, a PhD student. He's going to talk about the different theories and from the academic world in terms of fatigue and why we feel fatigue in different ways. Okay, we've got John's race report. Yes, which will be short and, and uh, sweet. There'll be some more tears there, I think. <laughs> and then we've got questions and answers at the end. Okay, guys, so news up. First up this weekend, we had the big Challenge Wanaka, which is, is that the first kind of big, longest course of the year? Pretty much. I mean, there's, there's we also had uh, the Israel Man, which we'll talk about. But in terms of, um, you know, in terms of some pros going head to head and and it's in Hanek of the Woods, so we love it. It's a good race too, really nice race. Okay, Jumbo. so... Um, I can give it from the perspective of the spectator. And then I'll give it from the perspective of somebody who worked there. Yeah, so I actually got up, I wake up bloody early in the morning, it just annoys the hell out of me. I, you know, I want to get some good sleep On days when you can sleep in? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and that day, so that was Saturday, my race was on Sunday, I'm thinking, right. I haven't got no kids. Sleep in. No. And, uh, so what time you wake up? Well, I was... I was awake at probably about four thirty, and I was lay there until about five thirty, and got up. So she- can you not go back to sleep? No, I really struggle with that. So on a Sunday, yeah. we'll sleep in, yeah, and I'll kind of in and out of sleep. I can I can do that. No, I struggle yeah. with that. So I get up, turn the computer on, log into Wanaka, and I'd seen the forecast for the next day. The day before, everywhere in the country, Auckland and Wanaka, it was windy as hell, like full yeah. on. Yeah. Wind. And let's be honest, over the last few years, Wanaka's had it tough when it's come to the wind. It has, and so I logged in, saw Wanaka. 3.6 degrees centigrade at, at uh, 5.30. I was thinking, that's going to be a little chilly. Yep. So it actually wasn't too bad. The, the water was... <laughs> From the sidelines with five layers and a beanie on, probably it was fine. I didn't have to get in the water. I think the water was 14 degrees, 14.1. Well, I had a girl who raced the day before. She did a little 3.93, and then she did a team in there, and she said it was massive difference in terms of the day before to actual race day. Oh, really? water temperature. So it heated up a little bit? No, it froze. She oh, it froze. It freezing. Well, there was interesting because the Challenge crew don't really have those cutoff times. Like they've got 220 in the Ironman. Mm. And I think later on in the day, someone was saying me, someone was out in the water for over three hours. Really? And they, and they had to pull them out because they're just yeah, freezing. Yeah. 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 So that can't be too good. Um, so, so, do you want to talk about the race? The swim, yeah. Dylan McNeese, as expected. Oh, he dominated the swim. swim. As expected. Yeah, and then there's a pack of the, you know, the kind of guys you'd expect, and then the Rosies and the, of the world. And and then Dylan, Dylan just had a great race, to be honest. He mm. just absolutely killed it. He just re, 
great swimmer, as we'd expect. Mm-hmm. The thing about McNeese is he, when he wins these races, he, he's a true triathlon. Solo. Yeah, he does the way. whole thing solo. And, you know, he did a 46 swim, a 451 bike, and that's a slow course. So that's yeah. a solid bike. And then, you know, run a 256, you know, he ran a really solid run. Yeah. And uh, just, and, and looked great the whole day. You know, the, you didn't see him fading or anything like that. And he just, solid effort. And when we saw the interviews after the race, and you were obviously there as well, you know, he was saying that was as close to perfection that he's he's ever had in terms of uh, yeah. any triathlons. So. He just had one of those magical days. And, and it, was a, it was an interesting race because, you know, with McNeese getting out on the bike so early, you know, you kind of what was going to happen from that moment forward in the race. And there was a pack of around three riders. I can't remember exactly who was in them. It but was Usher, it was Matt Burgess, and there was somebody else. Yeah. Matt Burgess was a young fella, and then I think there was somebody else. And then there was one guy crashed on the bike as well, Ben Logan, I yeah. think, crashed. And so, um, you know, so you kind of thought they'd put some time into um, McNeese. Oh, I was sure. I thought they'd definitely – I thought I definitely thought Richard Usher was going to at, at least ride up to uh, – no, I thought he'd ride up to him or, or at least close, close the, gap. the gap. But it sat around seven minutes the whole, the whole time. Yeah. Really didn't, and and so McNeese was just doing it by himself. And John will talk about his race later on. If you read John's race report, he's talking about the advantage of having a pack to work with for oh, his power was massive. was huge. And so McNeese, you know, pretty much him against three, mm. and he just kept the gap. And you know, you kind of thought, well, maybe in that last forty k's of the ride, where fatigue may set in, we may see a bit of a drop in pace. But he didn't. He was just solid the whole. Like I think he lost fifteen seconds in that mm. last bit. So he was looking really good. So then he got off the bike, and you were just kind of thinking, well. You know, we know Usher can run like a legend. Well, Usher had blown out. Like, I thought if it stayed at seven minutes... He fell off a little bit, didn't he? And he said in his uh, post-race, he said he had a bad patch with about 30 to get, K to go. He lost three minutes yeah. in 30K. Yeah, so he came off around nine minutes. Yeah. So not high nines, I think, off the bike. And so, you, but you still thought... Still thought that's doable. You know, you're thinking, Dylan, he's about a three-hour marathoner, and Usher, we've seen at Rote, if he pulls it out, you know, he could run on that course probably about 250, Yeah, uh, if, if not under. So, you know, like it was kind of... You know, Dylan would have to have his best day. Both of them would have to have their best day to kind of pull it off, if you know mm. what I mean. And 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 Usher was catching up. So I think at one stage, I can't remember what the gap was, but it did get down. Still not. It was still like at least five minutes. Yeah, it still so. was. But there was still at that stage, there was enough yeah, yeah. time in the yep. race where you're going, well, this could be this could be a really exciting finish. And then um, then when we got to our next split, it was just the wheels have fallen off. You yeah. know, you knew Usher wasn't going to be there that day. And uh, and it was just re- you know full credit to Dylan McNeese. He just had a great race. He just raced a really smart race. So. Total times were 46 swim, 4.51 on the bike and 2.56 on the run for a total time of 8.38. On that course, it wasn't a course record, was it? No, Usher's was about two or three minutes ahead. I think he did 8.34. That's still, on that course, is very solid when you see it. And they've changed the course since then, so you you know it's not horses for horses. Yeah. So So that's that's impressive. Before the race, as we said last week, I expected Usher to win it, you know, based off what he did in the half Ironman in, in November. I thought, you know, Dylan, I thought I knew he was going to improve quite significantly from then, and, and even if he pumped out the same as what he did last year, I still thought Usher would take him. But to his credit, he just smoked him, and that's um, that's impressive. Well, well, and that's, that's the thing is that, like, when you look at Usher's record, because I was doing my research for the commentating for you know before I went to Wanaka, and geez, Usher is a legend, man. You just look at his results, and it's just, it's like who was that girl we interviewed on Women Legends, and she just it was win, 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 and then it's like occasionally oh, there's Jackie a Jackie Gallagher. Jackie Gallagher, it was like looking at her results. He just yeah. he just wins everything, and yeah. so you know. But he did say we were talk, kind of chatting later on. Day. He's a great guy. You know what? They're all great guys. But um, he was saying, you know, he just he got to that point where he just kind of knew it wasn't his day, and mm. you know, he just the legs went and you know, mm. like, get to the end. So Richard Usher was second. Uh, he was in the end. He was eleven minutes behind, and then Dougal Allen, who's actually a multi sporter from. 
from I think he's from down that way. He he uh, you know he lost. He was one oh three in the swim, and then he, he rode four forty five. So he was six minutes quicker than Dylan. The thing about watching the thing about the challenge race, you know, it's not a huge profile. Well, maybe this is Ironman out. Is now that they split them off earlier. Mm. It's so obvious when someone's behind on the swim. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. like Doug Wallen, you know, one oh three. You know, McNeese was basically what seventeen minutes out of the water before him. So these these massive gaps. Yeah. And uh, one thing that was quite funny in the swim was there was um, McNeese came out miles ahead, but then the second pack. When they went from the last boy in, they just did the longest loop to get there. Really? Yeah, they did like, they like you know, you go straight line, but obviously the guy at the front wasn't sighting and everyone was just following him. And uh, they, they almost, must, like the pack behind them must have gained probably a, quite a bit of time just in that last section because nice. they didn't swim straight. So that was quite funny. But do go on, do go on you know, the swim is going to be the thing he needs to work on, but you know, to pull off, you know, what it was his total time, five eight fifty four on that course is pretty yeah, good. Solid. The girls' race was fantastic as well. Well, that was really that was an exciting race. So um, Gina came out of the water miles ahead of you know you know the contenders in the women's race, and then. Um, on the bike, Candace Hammond just rode like a legend. She just caught up to Gina, and you know Gina's a strong cyclist, so mm. you know it seemed like Candace Hammond was taking this massive risk, and she got caught up to. I can't remember exactly when in the race was it. Uh, what a. It was before 150k. Yeah, there's still a bit yeah. to go, wasn't there? Yeah. And then, uh, and so she took, you know, 11 minutes off her on the bike, and then they headed on the run, and just for the longest time, they just together, there was like 30, 30 seconds. 30 to 45 seconds. Yeah, and it just sat there, and, it, you know, you kind of thought at that time, well, Candice has ridden hard to catch mm. up to these guys, so she's probably going to pay the price. And also, when we look at Gina, Gina is, you know, a legendary Good athlete time. who's won yeah. a lot of races, knows how to have a strong race. Um you know, you kind of, if you're a betting man at that stage, I would have put my money on Gina. Mm. But, but Candace, man, she, she pulled out the goods. She's a strong runner. She looks good when she ran. She she has a, um, she did Tauranga, uh, which is that one of our big half Ironmans, finished second there to uh, Kat Morrison and had a really strong day there. So she's an ex-rower, New Zealand sort of level rower. And that's a solid day at the office. You know, Gina did, Clearly, did not have her A game there, and that, that day she was just said that she was just struggling all day. Yeah, legs, she, was, she was a bit emotional sore. at the end too, you know. And 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 you know, Mark was saying the guys commentating were first saying that she's changing her strategy this year. She is trying mm. to traditionally, Gina will do five races a year. Um, Kona is obviously important, but she's never really tried to focus all her kind of eggs in one basket. Whereas mm. I think this year she is. So maybe she wasn't as peak as what she'd be at other times. It's, you know, it's hard to know. But you know what? Can't take anything away from Candice. That was a great result. It was. So she swam 103. Uh, she biked 509 and ran 315 compared to Gina's 53 swim, 520 on the bike and 321 on the run. And got a good bit of credit there as well to Simone Mayer who finished in third. She came home with a 315 as well. Uh, and she was only seven minutes behind Gina. So... Yeah, that was uh, that made for a really good race. Watching wise, you know, we were sitting there, and then once it blew out, you kind of knew it was game over, Rover. But uh, for a long time there, it, it was, was really it exciting, was wasn't good it? Good times. Yeah. Just some other quick things about the day. Um, oh, have we got third place? Did you say third place? Yep. She yep. was good. She swore in the. She's oh, the yes. bomb. Yeah, you yeah. See that? I, was, I was pretty happy with that. Met a few people. I met um, Andy from Ireland. Right. Now, some guy, um, someone Murray, Simon Murray, because mm-hmm. I remembered Simon. Simon Murray mm-hmm. took a photo of me, yeah, and he was a good guy. And then uh, saw quite a few of the listeners out there and about. T Rex had a good one. Nice. He looked like he had a great day. Actually, mm-hmm. he looked pretty solid at the end. Um, Melina, Melina was. He had a really solid result. Yeah, he had a great result. He was like seventh off the bike. Yeah, he was. Yeah. A, he was like, obviously Melina's legs are a bit more fragile on the run nowadays, but. Yeah. 
the, probably the highlight for Molina was wearing his Tinley outfit. I saw that in a finishing <laughs> pack. I think he posted something on Facebook. I saw that. <laughs> the old one piece with the old Tinley. I was yeah. loving that. They cracked me up. Yeah. Bevan McKinnon took out the half. Yes. He had a solid race. He caned it too. He won by what, about five, six minutes, seven yeah. minutes. And then Larissa Mars took out that. The one thing I didn't realise, and they told me halfway through the day as I was commentating, it's, it's not the challenge half, it's no. the Lake Wanaka half. Yes. Yeah, so I was calling it the challenge half all day, and then someone gave me the tip on the shoulder. Yeah. I have to say, I have a newfound respect for people who run these races. <laughs> it's a long day. Yeah. It's a long, long day. So I was working with a guy called Mark Watson, for those in New Zealand, he uh, works on Radio Sport, you probably know who he is. Yeah. And... Um, you know, we, we we kicked off at six and we didn't finish probably till about twelve thirty, mm. and uh, and we we really just worked the whole day to be honest. We kind of had a few little breaks, you know, a couple of breaks here and there. But you know, it's a long day for those people who just do the whole day. You know, mm-hmm. the, the timing guys, the people who have it on the course, and you get to the end of the day. And for me, just my legs—you never stand up for that long. Mm. My legs were killing them. There are some advantages to being the commentator, John. Yes, you mentioned Mister Whippy. I had the best Mister Whippy of all nice. time. <laughs> Nice. He goes because Mark said to us, you, we, "We're going to meet you, Mr. Whippy. You, want, you know, apparently he'll give us a free Mr. Whippy." So <laughs> we, we mentioned him a couple of times, and then I went to get my free Mr. Whippy. I had the, the special cones, strawberry yeah. sauce. I had three flake bars. Oh, it was the best goodness. Mr. Whippy ever. So um, the perks, eh? Oh, I tell perks. you, the perks. But it was—it's a great. You know, Wanaka is seriously it's just such a great race and mm. one thing that was nice this year was the weather was perfect yeah you know the, the wind picked up late really late night probably around 10 o'clock onwards mm. um but the you know there was just you know over the last few years they have had those kind of big windy days it was you couldn't have got a better day for the race mm. seriously if you're overseas and you want to do a beautiful race so you can't go wrong yeah. oh it's just paradise isn't mm. it um, next year it's actually moving to February 22nd which is an interesting move so traditionally it's been sort of mid-January and moving to February 22nd which is yeah it's an interesting move because that's where it's situated at the moment in the New Zealand summer is sort of smack bang in the middle and it's sort of school holiday time just the end of school holiday time and it's not really competing with Iron well it's sort of competing with Iron Man but it's not because you wouldn't get many people that do both no but it's sort of separated a bit from those two and um, yeah it's going to be an interesting move actually I'm not I, I, the weather in February is probably a bit more stable and well, in, the, in, in the PR release they put out they said one of the factors was that it's the low tourist time for the Wanaka so it's right. about bringing some more tourists in I think and mm-hmm. getting some people maybe from Australia because it's more expensive to get to New Zealand right now at this time of year Right. so some of those types of things are probably something to think about May it, will it hurt their half they've got big numbers on their half I think they're 300 more than last year yeah I think that's where it'll probably hurt because I think a lot, a lot of people, people use, that, yeah. use that as a springboard onto to Taupo so uh, it's going to be interesting yeah but great race if you are thinking about looking mm. you're doing an awesome race today I'll bring in another race John where's this Challenge family have announced the launch of Challenge Rancho Cordova so they've got a new half distance race in the States so they're really going for it in the States they've got, apparently they've got Murphy Reinschreiber on board now who used to be one of the head guys at WTC so oh, really? they're making their assault on the States so don't know too much about the race but should be good times half distance race ok we've got some results from uh, the Israel man and we I'm surprised we haven't had the report in from uh, te- tennis player Tim, Tim Hemming you you know, quick probably have, haven't you, I'll pull out the results we've got uh, so the Israel man is, did he do it he was either reporting on it or doing it oh wow uh pete Verusik took it out 955 tom Mar- marley from israel second 1001 and nur 
Mancham from Israel, 10.04. It's a pretty close racing for... Israel man results, he's got them here. There you go. Yep. He might have a bit of a story there as well. I'll do the woman as well. Nina Perkerman was first, 11.17. Irina Manzin, second. And a Hungarian, Susanna Harsani was third in 12.16. Pretty tough course over there. It's always pretty testing and sometimes pretty windy as well. Okay, he's got despite the slow times, it was almost perfect weather, perfect weather the conditions, which further underlies how demanding the course is. Yeah, Babusik only just got under 10. Um, Babusik and Marcelli, how do you say mm-hmm. it? Yeah, Marcelli. Marmelli. Yeah. yeah. Um, came off the bike together, and the first 12K of the run is straight down the side of a mountain. Oh. The latest stopped to pee in t- a T2, and Babusik now 41. Jesus, he's been around forever, isn't he? Got a bit of a gap and maintained it right through to the end. There was around 1,300 competitors in the race, only 100 tackled the full distance the rest being half and team relays race starts and ends at the resort of Elat in the Red Sea before racing up into the mountains of the Negev Desert uh, organisation is on par with Ironman Challenge races the local hotels get together to sort out the logistics and they are within a mile of one another making an ideal venue plenty of energy at the finish line throughout and the Israelis prove that they can get quite emotional there were three proposals at the finish line he did the half in his Iron Talk kit and he's nice. got a photo I'll put that on the website for this week and uh, so if you need any more info just email me so there you go cool so good times oh, it's a great finish line photo too look at that you look sharp. Looks a little bit like me. It's got the big guns happening too, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I've got those too. Yeah, 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 that's why you thought that, eh? Yeah. Okay, what else, John? And there was one other race, the Auckland seventy point three. And so this was, is where you were. This was an interesting day. It was. I was a bit. Gutted. We're not going to talk about your race now, are no, we? No. Okay. So the elite race. It was a stellar field. Like. You know, when you do these championship races, we want to see really good guys. And the reality is you're only going to get everybody together maybe once a year, you know, Kona, and you get most of the guys together at the, the 70.3 champs. So for an Asia-Pacific champs, this was a bloody good they, field. They turned it up, didn't they? Like last year it was okay. Yeah. Whereas this year you looked at the field and you go, wow, this is, this is what it's all it was, about. It was quality. And it was the, the old boys delivered. So in the first place we had Jan Fredino who smoked the run. Run was legit court distance because I measured it at 21.3. Swanee was trying to tell me it was long at 21.6 but GPS measuring on this course it had lots of twists and turns so, so you could it, was, of, yeah. it was close enough he, he, uh, 11 and I, I was literally literally passing the finish line to start my run when well, he was crossing well that was your challenge wasn't it yeah. <laughs> remember it was literally, and he was farting around in that finish shoot he was hugging people and doing really? all stuff I haven't seen the coverage yet but at 111.59 and that was legit because well, he hasn't pulled it together yet and a half has he no no you know and, and you know this guy's obviously an Olympic gold medalist so you know he kind of delivered what we'd expect of him dominated the dojo you know he, he won by what's that two minutes probably would have been two minutes if he hadn't farted around the finish and in this field to win by two minutes yeah that's quality Terenzo you know we saw him just lighting it up so many times last year you got Bevan in there as well and you got other great runners with Crowey and so on so then Richie Cunningham who we, we talk about Brownie and we've, we've always said we need to get him on a show we never have we we, have to, we need to he's, so he's 40 as well is he 40 so he's been around for yeah, obviously he's Carl been around Jan Fredino, oh, he's early 30s, I okay, think. Yep. Yeah. So is he going to do iron? Yes, he's doing Kona. So, I mean, he can clearly, I don't know, his bike's probably still a bit untested, but, mate, 
Yeah, it's really different. You know, Torrenzo lots up a half, and he yeah. hasn't necessarily done. But he's got to be a contender. Um, in terms it's great of, to see it coming through. Yeah, so Richie Cunningham was second, which is just awesome because he's not. Nobody would have picked him to get second. He's a good, steady guy, but that's awesome. Torrenzo was third, and he had a battle royale with uh, Bevan Doherty. The only part of the race that I saw because I was concentrating on the bike was those two running shoulder to shoulder at one stage, and I thought, oh, game on. <laughs> so what happened? Did you, did you hear about what happened? Uh, I, don't, I haven't seen what happened to the finish but there was only uh, 10 seconds, 10 seconds yeah. between them so Terenzo was third Bevan was fourth gotta say awesome performance by Cam Brown in sixth that was far exceeded what I thought he'd do and apparently he's actually been pretty solid of, of times isn't he 112.43 yeah that's, legit he's smoking it and I, I saw him come out of the swim and when I saw he was with Crowey he was in front of Crowey and he had guys around him I thought you know sweet he could have a pretty good day you know it was really nice you know like because um, Brownie's quite good friends with Mark the guy I was commentating yeah. with on um on at the challenge and and basically Mark was basically Brownie's training whore for a long time yeah, wasn't he and yeah. um and I had a bit of a, he was talking to um, Mark throughout the day and I just Brownie was really interested in the race like Brownie mm. just loves triathlon mm. you know and, and you know the guy's been around the sport forever you know who had a big race the next day and all the rest of it he was still really interested in you know what was happening in the sport and mm. you know and, and you know that's what I love about these guys you know the Maccas and the and the Brownies and that of the world. They just love the sport, mm. you know, and, and you know, Brownie's obviously in that later part of his career, but at the same time, you know, he's, he's going to be, you know, he just obviously still loves it and he's keeping at it. It's game on for Tapo, you know. I think a lot of us had written him off, but you know, like he was, he outran Bevan by a minute 15 yeah. over his, not his ideal distance. Uh, so it's, And apparently when he rode, rode in, that, in that half, he was like mm. looking sharp in that half, towering, was it towering a couple of weeks yeah. ago? Yeah. So, so hey, that's that's it's not given, on. is it? So and Crowy was behind him. That's when again when I was just starting my run, I saw Brownie run past and I thought, shit, that's a pretty good day. And then I saw Crowy behind him, I thought that's really quite a good day. So great. I haven't seen the coverage, but apparently the um on the bike there was a group that they got away at the start and the gap just stayed pretty much the same the whole way. So oh, did it? they were thirty seconds out the road but nothing. But nothing. Okay. So good good racing on the guys' side of things and had a proper championship feel to it. Girls side of things a uh, very impressive run by Kat Morrison. She ran up into first place. It was always going to be a battle just between Kat Morrison and Annabelle Luxford, and Kat Morrison took it just catching her at the very, very end. Um, so on the news, uh, you didn't see this, but on the news, they had uh, Annabelle Luxford and she went off course. I really struggled to understand and, how you went off course. And she course, was saying, yeah. you know, her, her statement was, you know, I'm a pro athlete. I should have looked at the course. I should have known better. But and she goes, but it w- wasn't very well marked out. Oh, I disagree with that. I mean, granted, I was going through an hour later, but and I you're not really struck. I really struggle to see how you could have gone wrong there. But you know, maybe maybe it was different for the, for the early runners. So yeah, close race. Kat Morrison only took her down by what sort of forty seconds or so, catching her on the run. Impressive run, one twenty thirty six. Again, legit distance. That's basically averaging three forty five k's. I'm I'm pretty impressed with that. Was it a flat course? Yeah, it's a flat course, but quite a few twists and turns. So yeah, maybe you maybe lose forty five seconds or so with all the turns. Yeah, deceleration and all that. So that's, uh, that's impressive. Joe Lorne was uh, a fairly distant third. Still pretty good. Yes, so I've got to say, I mean, I've got to recommend the course. Um, swim, yeah, swim, swim, but it was a, it was a nice swim, pretty cool, a bit of uniqueness to it. The bike, fantastic, you know, 
uber smooth roads um, and you had a bit of everything you went on the, the northbound section and you had lots of twists and turns and little hills and really I, I really enjoyed that and then you had two laps on the flat on the waterfront the only downside I've got to say about this race is there's quite a bit of congestion for me on the on the bike first big loop you kind of were it wasn't too bad you were passing on the outside. It was generally single file stuff. Well, the thing is, so you guys were last to go, weren't you? Very last. And what went before you? Everybody. No, oh, before oh. us. Uh, no, we had guys in front of us. I think we had the 40s and stuff. So they had, they had thought about how to stagger it a bit. So it was a while before we were catching girls. Because the thing for you is, you know, you're a fast guy. Mm. So you'll be flying past. Like I remember when I did rote and you do the two laps and the second lap, you're just flying past people. Yeah. And when it's really congested, that's really mm. dangerous because people don't, uh, you know, they're not looking behind themselves, are they? No. So first, first um, outbound north route, I was passing hundreds and hundreds of people, but it was it was okay. I was and you're on. Yeah, I was okay with that. But when you got onto the waterfront. You know, you were passing people the whole time and it was getting pretty congested. A few places like, you know, I was riding over 40k an hour and then having to drop probably to 30 to get, get uh, around there. Okay. So, but you know, the, same for everyone. the thing was, I went in there with the attitude, I knew it was going to be like that. And if you sign up for these events, you know it's going to be like that. There's no point getting angry. And I was pretty happy I kept things under control. What about control. draft busters? Uh, they were busting people. Us people got busted. So... Okay. But it's a bit of a tough one, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was the only downside. Great, um, really, really good event. Really spectators? Really good spectators. Yeah. yeah, really, really good spectators. So nice thing about Challenge Race, because it's kind of a bit of the old and new. You get these moments where you get massive spectator crowds, and then you kind of, that kind of solo mission, you know, mm. like that. Got a, <laughs> one story from the roll down, because I went to the roll down, so I finished fourth, and I, I was... I'd spoken to two first guys and they said they were taking the slots but I thought I'd just go away go yep. along anyway you never know and so we're at the roll down and roll downs are fun yeah they're quite it's quite interesting seeing it so they do the Kona stuff very few of the Kona slots rolled one didn't one age group rolled down to like seventh place but oh, then nice. the 70.3s they, they you know there's not so many people wanting the slots and they basically say right uh, first roll down second roll down okay they haven't taken it right anybody in that age group you come up to the front of the stage and uh We've got three slots left. Whoever's the three fastest get the slots. Yeah, that's fine. Yep. And in some age groups, like our age group, we had a guy who Tim McClurg from Christchurch. He had a he would lead me out in the swim. Great, he's a solid biker, but he got a penalty, and then he had exploded on the run. He finished 29th, and he wanted to go to 70.3 worlds. So I said, look, just go along. You never know. Our age group, five slots. Nobody took them. Five guys stood up and went out the front. All five guys get the slots. Really? So he was stoked. So so 70.3s are just throwing them around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were to a, to a degree. Yep. Yeah, and the, the one thing was, so they say, right, there's two slots left, and one one of the female age groups, I think it was 18 to 24. They said, okay, two slots left. First person is whatever her name was, and first call, second call. Oh yeah, yeah, she's coming from the back. Um, what's what's this for? What's, what's this for? Is this for Hawaii or is it for Kona? And the whole crowd is just going, you oh, no. are kidding. Oh, poor girl. And everyone, if you know what a roll down's like, it's like you put your hand up, you're taking it, you go out the front, you're paying your money. There's no, yep. there's no farting around. It's yep. like an auction. Yep, or yes or no. And she goes, and they said, uh, it's for Mont Tremblant. And she goes, oh, can you guys just hold on a minute? And I've just got to go and I'll talk to a couple of people and I'll come back and let you know. And the whole, you just, oh, I felt the crowd's just. So what happened? Did you get it? Yeah, they ended up giving it to us. It was just, it was Come back next year. Come back next year. Um, I'll do, and I'll do my race report later on. I've got to say, um, poor coverage. Not necess- it wasn't, was WTC's fault to a degree. Kiwis couldn't get a live feed. Well, to be honest, John, because I, 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 I was 
because it was a long day for me on Sunday. Um, no, 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 great day said there, but it was a long day. We were basically at 18 and a half hours. Yeah. So, you know, so then I wake up and I, I wanted to get home early because I had seminars that I had to present. So I was like up at six or something in the morning getting ready to kind of get home. And I couldn't get the, – there was no – I couldn't even get not, – not the video. Mm. I couldn't even get like tracking. Mm. on the computer and so it was really frustrating and it wasn't until I actually went to my iPhone after my flight so it wasn't until you were kind of halfway through your run that I was even able to get your splits so maybe it was just my computer but I tried different browsers and I, it was very frustrating it was frustrating for the Kiwis because they had it on Sky TV to, to their credit turn it around within 24 hours and it was on Sky TV on Monday night the race was Sunday have you seen it? Uh, I didn't get to watch it last night for some reason I pressed record and it didn't record oh, about you. And have you got my Sky? Yeah, yeah. So I've got I've got it recorded now. But uh, but anyway, that, that, the reason they didn't have live coverage is because it was on Sky Sports and Sky basically blocked them doing live coverage. To Kiwis, it, seems bit, it seems a bit which limited is, which thinking. Which is stupid. And it is stupid because how many Joe Public are going to go and watch that? You know, yeah. you're just hurting the people who love the sport. Yeah, and they're going to watch it as well. They're going to watch both versions. So yeah, exactly. It's silly, but yeah, I don't know we can debate that for hours. But it's I think every, everybody, for hours. everybody agrees it was pretty silly. <laughs> But uh, uh, that, that's it, and I'll do my report later on. Torsten's try rating is out. We're going to talk about that next week. And we have the, uh, Bone Island triathlon. Ca- that, that? That's coming up this weekend. So Bone Island is in the in Florida. I think the Florida Keys coming up this weekend. They've got a half and a full distance race. So good luck, anybody going there. Got, a, got an email through from a couple of things interesting actually, uh, um, and I'll talk about one of them later on. But the first one was that apparently Crow is going to try and go back to Kona in 2015. Oh. Mm, so there's an article someone oh, sent Oh, I did see that, yeah. Yeah, so basically saying he doesn't feel he can pull off Kona every year now, but he's he feels- might go back. It's funny with, funny with Crowey, because let's be I honest. I should have talked to him, because I, I, he said day, and I, I just sort of shook his hand and kept going. I should have uh, should have asked him. Yeah, because the thing is, is that every time he doesn't do well now, he, he talks about how he's lost the motivation. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you know, deep down I knew I didn't have the motivation. It's yeah. kind of the common theme we're getting in this kind of later part when he's not getting those and you know so this interview this it was only a short article but it was basically saying well you know for me to feel I knew well my body needs a longer time frame to get into it so I still feel I can knock a good one out but I'm going to try and give it two years you know so go back in 2015 and which is cool but I wonder if he doesn't do well are we going to get that oh you know Oh, Crow's a smart guy. He, he, I think this time he's only. He, I think he got. Suck, he didn't get suckered in there. I think last last year. I think he thought, oh, I can do one more year. I got it on it because he had won previously, and then and he had a good Melbourne, hadn't he? Yeah, and then I, I, he won't go back this time unless he's he's a hundred percent. Yeah, or very close to it. He mm. won't. Go, I don't think he will go back unless he really honestly thinks he can win. Okay, John's asking for a book update. We have sold half of the books, so <laughs> we've sold half of the books. We need to sell another two hundred and fifty books. So if you are someone who hasn't bought your book yet and you're thinking about doing, get onto it. Now, what we should do is we should set a date. So let's set a date because either way, oh, not yet. Okay, well, we'll do that, and yeah, we'll, I mean, ideally, I'd like to do it at, straight after Tapo. So that let's set, let's set a provisional date there for. Oh, that's probably, we start, probably a little bit longer. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends how fast they sell. Yeah, the rest of you just buy them now. Save us a hassle. Well, let's let, no, let's say June first will be. Um, but does that give people enough time? Yeah, most you northern northern hemisphere athletes haven't even done their Ironmans by then. So okay, so June the first. Yeah. Okay, so no matter what, how many we've sold, I don't commit like that. Let's. What do you mean? Okay, so we'll go June the first, then, are we? <laughs> You're the one who said June the first. I'll just put that out there. It's like, oh, 
No, no, well, that, we'll there, probably there we, has to be a cutting. Like if we don't sell them all, we, there has to be a line in the sand where we say, okay. we, like we can't say the week before Kona. Oh, by the way, we've just sold. Pro- probably June the first, <laughs> probably. But just get off your asses and get it now. Just do it way. now. Just do it. You know you want to do it. You know you want to come to Kona. First of all, you get to meet John and Bevan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might not even be racing, so <laughs> you get to spend lots of time with me. <laughs> and then you, you get your flights, you get your accommodation, you get food, and, and it would be the best week of your life. Yes. Marriage. Who needs marriage? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Get on to it. I'll go to I'll, again. I'll put a link in this week's news. Um, news. I mean, um, show notes. And uh, www.iamtalk.me, and you can do that there. John, sponsor. Extreme endurance. How so, are your legs feeling, mate? I raced pretty hardcore at the weekend, and I was fully tapered and raced as hard as I possibly could. So much so you blew up. So much so that I blew up, and then uh, you know. Yesterday, I was out for a bike ride. I've got to say, my legs are pretty good. You know, there's um, definitely some definitely fatigue in there, and they're just a little bit tender. But, you know, again, I, I go on about this, but when I've done races you know what, John, in the past. You go on about this. Yeah. <laughs> I've done races in the past. I am a ruined. You know, this, this morning I was up to the 4K swim. Pretty sweet. No problems. And this is, you know, today's Tuesday, race on Sunday morning. So, got to say, if you want to help your recovery, and this is really important for me because, you know, we've got Ironman coming up. I've got to more or less get straight back into training. This week's low intensity, just just steady stuff, but uh, massive help in terms of the recovery, like minimal, minimal soreness. Fatigue's there, minimal soreness. So if you want to help yourself in terms of races coming up, some of you guys in the Northern Hemisphere might have some running races you're trying to build up. You might be doing a half marathon as you get ready for, say, the London Marathon or the Boston Marathon, something like that, then uh, then this is going to help you keep that continuity of training. So check it out at xendurance.com. If you're ordering through their .com site, you can use the code, promo code IMTALK5. And just a point of note, uh, Von Van Lurken won the Lanzarote duathlon at the weekend, and she's a good old extreme endurance athlete too. I had a she's going to this year, because she had a good Kona last year, didn't she? really you? solid Kona. Yeah. Um, I can't see her winning Kona. No, honest, no, she's probably a little bit long in the tooth now. Like, but Yeah, top, you know, she's one of those girls, always put a bit of money on her for top five. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, so guys, go. extreme endurance. I pulled out a blinder on the discussion of the week Wait last Wait a second, week. I've got to pause for a second. I'll be back one, one second. We're back. Houston went to the toilet before the show started. <laughs> he went to, he went, how long ago was that? About an hour and a half Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say, you could tell he'd been to the toilet. <laughs> I left the fan on. I hate going to a lot of people's houses. Luckily, we're friends. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Joe's not impressed. Cheapers, creepers. Okay, wait a second. I've got to pull up my um, my internet here. So no, no, because Joe, I've looked to close the door because Joe's office is right next to the toilet, and oh, we've got we've got we've got three toilets in our house. I don't know why we have three toilets, but so in the bath, I tend to use the the you know the kind of bathroom anyone can use during the day, not mm. like, and it's right next to Joe's office. And admittedly, I can be like you at times. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe's told me you make sure you close the door. So. <laughs> I close the door. I've learnt my lesson. You, you hit the fan on as well. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> so there was a hot topic last week. We said that what are the things that your training partners do that really bug you? And there were some great rants here. I think we had like 45 comments. <laughs> I think what happened was after years of not being able to say anything, the people have finally had their outlet. And yeah. they are, uh, yes. It was. So Nick Rose said riding three abreast or going through red lights. Give the, I give Wait, the so I think I'm not even You don't have one because I'm still pulling it up. Ricardo Corderio arriving late. Go through red lights? Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Although I got him, but I did go through my See, so, you're such a hypocrite. Phil, Phil, I was in Auckland and Phil goes, what are you doing? Oh, funny, because uh, you, you, you... Riding three abreast, though. Mary Lapworth, if you're listening. I think that depends. 
No, there's no depends on that. No, because when you're in Oxford, um, what's the one we used to do? See, I haven't been in so long. When you go out to Oxford, what's that? Gorges. Oh, gorges. When you're in the gorges, some of those roads, no, no one's around. No, no. No, I'm, 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 I'm going to go depends on that one. Mm. Yeah. R- Ricardo Cordero, arriving later than the scheduled t- training start time. Mm. Well, you just leave. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're not there, Canc- cancelling last minute on a very early bike ride. So Who was that? That same guy, poor form. Yeah. Cutting short on scheduled drills. Mm, drills are important. Okay, you're up. I'm going to say Rick Loud, and he's got um, when they do not take advantage of this, a stop. <laughs> I'm glad you called him Rick Loud because that's it's Rick Laird. Laird. He was well, racing at the weekend. And well, it's I, an A. I know. An AI. It's not an E. Yes. It's a, knowing when there's two vowels to give you, say the first vowel. Well, it's, it's Laird. And Rick was racing. You're saying I- your name wrong, Rick. That's the problem. <laughs> he was racing at the weekend, the Iron Talk tri suit. Oh, hired bike. He turned up in transition. Where the hell are your aero bars? And he hired some bikes. So here's a good one. If they get a flat in the group, take the time to shed any unwanted clothes, get something out. The whole not helping, not waiting for the person to fix their flat. Have you ever done that? Uh, you just got, you got to create some rules around that. Yeah, because they already run takes off. But Rick's point was: do not wait until the wheel is back on. Then say, say oh, just let me know. Yeah. Be aware and get on with it. Get on with the job. Exactly. Yes, Stefan. Van der Bruggen, someone who can't change a tyre and does not have a spare. I think I even liked that one. Did you? Yeah. I, I probably was a bit guilty of that at times. Oh, no, I can change a tyre, but there have been times where I've only taken one tube. I'd, I'd let you away with that. No, okay, that's okay. But people that don't take a pump. Gain? <laughs> yeah, no, that, I, 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 honestly, I almost do not lend people a pump. Oh, come I would not, I would say, where's your pump? See you later, I'm off. I'm off. <laughs> Especially the juniors, I make a bit of a point of that. Do you, yeah. James Porteus? Maybe um, complain when they when we stop for a long ride, on a long ride to allow the slower riders to catch up and have a break. We've all been there with the ones struggling behind, waiting for the view of the group. So wait patiently. Again, got to create some rules from the outset on that. I disagree with that one. But well, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. You say, um, I mean, when I go out training, I'm selfish. I'm running this pace. Oh, if you drop, true. If you drop me, that's fine. Don't wait. Don't wait for me. If you drop me. I ain't waiting if you dropped. That's just, you just got to create But remember on Epic Camp, who was it, Lou? Yeah. Good old Lou. And he basically would drop him kind of pretty early on day. Yeah. And he just ride the whole day by himself, didn't and, he? But it wouldn't bother him. No, 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 he was great. But mm. Jesus, he did Epic Camp. Like, Epic Camp's pretty hard. Mm. When you're in a pack, it's hard. But imagine the whole thing by yourself. I know. Jesse Tyler Watt. A couple of guys in my group get on, on the aero bars and half wheel in tight draft packs with often dubious handling. In other words, reinforcing the good old try stereotypes. Don't get on your aero bars when you're in a pack. No, don't do that. Don't get on your aero bars going downhill. Well, probably not. Depends, if, it's a, if it's a straight line. Yeah. Well, as long as you've got the skill level. Yeah, you've got to have a pretty no. high skill level. Mm. Simon Newman's got uh, my training partner trains more than I do and he ends up smoking me on race day. That's pretty annoying. <laughs> and his training partner's Adam Zara. Got to give James Newsom a bit of a uh, bit of love. Jay Newsom. Jay Newsom. And no E. Oh, perfect. Half uh, half stepping and half wheeling. There was quite a bit of that going on. And quite a few of the posts. What was it? Quite a few posts had half wheeling and half stepping. There is something about that, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, it's poor form. Yeah, and that Lee's got um, people who miss uh, after a session say, I did really well in that session considering I haven't trained for ages. They're liars. Mm. <laughs> Lens Deo, snot rockets. Oh, yeah, but come on. It's about a direction of the snot rocket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, just don't do it down so it goes behind you. Mm. Just got to be careful when you do those bad boys. Just I always do it in the time of sleeve. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't go wrong. Who else we got here? Martin uh, Stuart Martin Lawrence. Have you done his? No. My run partner runs way too fast on easy runs. It turns into a smash fest. Yeah, and a lot of the other ones is half wheeling, which is always poor form. Yep. Any more? You want to do any more? No, that's about all I've got. Yeah, I cover the main ones. Was was the mm. carrying a spear and carrying Nadine a pump. said, uh, "I don't train for other people." That's fine. It's, uh, it's perfect. Easy. Job done. John, you. Uh, I think the main one for me would be the punctures, not not knowing how to change a tire, and then either not having a tire or not having a pump. Yeah, I think that's probably my number one. Half wheeling is pretty poor form, but most of the guys that I train with don't do that. Uh, and yeah, I just think no, that's the the, the the punches one really gets on my goat. I can't really think of anything that really ever annoyed me. Mm-hmm. Um, you only get annoyed when you're really tired. Mm-hmm. So but that's more just because you're, you're tired, isn't it? Um, sometimes I found it funny when you get the talker. And I, yeah. I come on, I'm a talker, but when you get the talker when you, when you can't even hear them, mm. you know, when it's like it's a really windy day. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> yeah, mate, yeah. oh, funny, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're a coxswain, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, and you, they'll talk to you for hours. Yeah. Was, the, best one, the best one for the talker, and this isn't on the bike, is Pete. Pete, which Pete? Um, Peter Connor? No, Pete. Um, you know, O'Brien. Uh, Peter O'Brien. Yeah, he's a, he's a great talker. He's a talker yeah. for a big time. And where he's the greatest is when you swim with him, because you you be swimming and you know you you kind of you can do your set in ten seconds, and he'll be telling you a story that gets <laughs> over the so he'll come up. And then what happened was we went down to the park, and then what happened was and he, he continues the story on. I thought that it was I always found that really entertaining because he was nice. able to maintain the story and that was pretty legendary. Nice. So that was pretty good uh, so we've got two options here for oh, this week Bevan oh, I'm excited so you can choose first option is somebody sent in some email that we had yeah, it last it week one, about um, things that we do like yes and things like that oh you and I that's yeah. right that's right so option one is what do we do you and I and we're opening ourselves up a bit yeah, here do we, want to, do we want to cry at night mate yeah. <laughs> do you want to cry yourself to sleep okay well you can choose what do we do that annoys you the listener or well, maybe what's the great things we do oh, yeah or the second one is we had an email in from a fairly prominent listener talking about rule violations in terms of Kona slots and things like that we had the discussion last week about people that had done say Challenge Wanaka and your question was could they race pro there and then go and race well Annabelle she, she, you know, she, she's got a free entry to New Zealand mm. and uh, you know the, the field wasn't strong in Kona and Challenge there wasn't that many females so she could have yeah. turned up had a shocking day got some money yeah. And then turn so around. A, there was a loophole in the rules in New Zealand. Apparently, WTC have really tightened, sealed, tightened that that up. If you race as a pro anywhere, then and you want to race age group, you can't do it uh, in a WTC race. So that's been tidied up. But we had a, an email in from a listener who had, had spotted someone who had raced pro and then raced age group, and there was some Kona slot allocation things like that. So if you were in that situation and you knew there was a rule violation, would you put in the protest and? Uh, so the question I have for you then, okay, so let's do that one because I don't want to be picked on. Um, <laughs> but but um, the question I have, so the question is, if you knew somebody violated the rules as in... Um, Not drafting or something like that, but say they, they raced run. pro and then raced age group or... So would you protest is the question? Yes. Okay. So the, so the next question I have for you, John, is let's say you could have got away with it this year. Right. Or let's say you can't, but you're of your level... Mm-hmm. Where you can, you know, you could turn up to Wanaka and get some money, mm-hmm. but it means you wouldn't do a Kona slot. Mm. What would you choose? 
any other year outside of this year, I would give go money. for the money. So it just depends on what you want to yeah. try to achieve. Yeah, definitely. Money talks, Bevan. Money, money talks, John. Yeah. Newsom. Maybe you can have that as a second part of the question when you put it on Facebook because everybody always does all their replies on Facebook before the show comes out, don't they? Pretty much. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Would I rather take the money or would I rather have the Kona experience? I suppose it depends if you've ever been to Kona, doesn't it? Yeah. Like if you'd never been to Kona and, and you saw of the same ability, you'd still go for Kona first, wouldn't you? Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, John, we've got an interview coming up. We have. So Will O'Connor, he, he, I'm not sure where actually it's going to be a long from. show today. It is. Yeah. So he certainly spent some time in Christchurch. I'm not sure if he's from Christchurch or not, but he's a PhD student up at Massey he's a University. And he's a brainiac, and here comes Will. Oh, yeah, here we go. Righty-ho, on today's show, it's actually quite an appropriate topic given my explosion at the weekend late in the Auckland 70.3. You're lacking motivation, were you, mate? Was like, he was like, I don't even want to finish this race. Yeah, there, was, there was times in that last 5k where I had some serious thoughts of walking, but I kept going. Um, so we've got Will O'Connor, who's a PhD student. Uh, he's a brainiac, John, because he didn't even have to do his master's because he got like first-class honours. Yeah, so he's doing his PhD in low-carbon ultra-endurance performance, but what we're going to talk today about is just a bit more about um, you know, fatigue and what are those things that actually slow us down because he's been attending some conferences and uh, going to talk to us a bit about sort of uh, the latest research that's out there in the, the world of uh, academia. So welcome along to the show, for, um, Will. Yeah, cheers John. Um, it's, uh, it's good to be here. Um, so yeah, I did actually have a little little read over your report from the from the race. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, had, had had a look at the splits and was was wondering if it was really a, a carbohydrate depletion thing or if it was a, a well, motivational. Well, I'll be interested to hear what you say because um, for me, I definitely think it was. Well, no, it's a combination of things. Well, maybe we'll go into this because it fits in quite nicely into some of the things that it's basically uh, John's counselling lesson now, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, So can you maybe just go through with us, um, you know, the different theories of fatigue that are out there in terms of, uh, you know, what's been been researched, because we know that Noakes has got some theories on the central governor and stuff, which a lot of people have heard about, but maybe go through those different theories that um, are sort of commonly, or or there's been some research into. Yeah, okay, so, well... With the the sports science community and, and then your your general uh, endurance community, there seems to be a, a bit of a disconnect from what's what's common knowledge for for us sports scientists and what's um you know what's perceived as common knowledge um in the in the endurance community. Things like lactic acid uh, causing fatigue, but it's actually an effect of. Um, so yeah, a lot of what most people will consider fatigue it, um, it will be around the traditional model. So that's your oxygen delivery, um, the amount of carbohydrate or, or fat um, you're able to burn, uh, the amount of mitochondria you have in, in your muscles, uh, which is your the cell's powerhouse. So that's that's how you create the energy for for a muscular contraction. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that that's your traditional model where. Yeah, most people think, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, get enough oxygen, or mm-hmm. uh, so that's really cent- centered around the actual muscle itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the next in line is sort of the peripheral. Um, so this is inhibitory reflexes from the working muscle, otherwise known as afferent feedbacks. So this sort of takes into account the the traditional model. So you know how much carbohydrate you have, uh, 
how much oxygen is available and it's it's saying that um, the muscles are, are sending signals back to the brain saying oh look there's there's not enough uh, energy here or uh, there's not enough oxygen but uh, you know either way it's it's a relay signal mm-hmm. um, and this can be this can be the you know your your actual functional muscles that that you're using for uh, say cycling, so quadriceps and and calf muscles, etc. But um, it can also be the respiratory muscles, so uh, how hard you're breathing, mm. um, and these can all send f- signals back back to the brain. Um, and then the next big step in the terms of of fatigue was was uh, Noakes in late nineties, early two thousand, bringing out the the central go- governor, and this is based on a, a subconscious and a intelligence system that sort of created a, a preemptive shutdown. Now, this is he was basing this off of um, a good example is if you go into the heat, um, both of you guys will know it's mm-hmm. it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a reason why taking tactics out of it, um, why Kona's slower, you know, mm-hmm. um, why why people never gonna break world records in the marathon over you know in Thailand. Um, because and he's saying that assuming you're turning up to the start line uh, in twelve degree or forty degree um, Celsius, uh, you know, you're turning up in the same conditions, fully glycogen loaded, uh, rested, motivated, that there should be no reason for you to run any slower. Mm. You know, there's, there's physiologically everything's there, um, but for some reason you you will start slower straight from the straight from the gun, or even from the start. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's so. There's and what uh, what Luke's the central governor is, is saying there's a, there's a sub some subconscious um, intelligence system that will will take um, a lot of the sensory inputs. So some of those works in with that peripheral fatigue model where it, it takes, you know, feedback from from how hot it is, um, your previous knowledge of the distance, um, your self-confidence. Uh, it takes all of that and pretty much says you can run this pace. Mm. Okay, so, and if you go fly out, um, <clears throat> so you're planning to run a, a three-hour marathon, but you fly out at, at three three minute per K pace, um, you'll slow down, uh, you know, probably after one or two Ks. And uh, Noakes suggests that that is, that's your subconscious system saying this isn't sustainable, mm-hmm. okay? You, you need to slow down as a, as a self-preservation method. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we come into this, what, uh, what, uh, um, what I was learning about at the recent fatigue symposium in um in Australia was was this Samuel Mayorka and his uh, motivational intensity theory. So he's taking he sort of opposes uh, Noakes in that he thinks that it's a fatigue and, and slowing down and exhaustion is a is a self regulated behaviour by conscious control. So that's really Noakes is saying it's a subconscious intelligence system, and Samuel Mayorka uh, suggests it's it's self-regulated conscious control. Okay, so, so, so in Noakes' situation, is he saying that it's kind of almost out of your control, whereas this other guy is saying it's in your control? 
Yes, yes, exactly. So initially, Noakes just he he put out that there was um, now he and his colleagues don't like using this term, but it's one that's been thrown around. Is a there's a black box, um, so sort of an undescribed uh, part of the brain that will control your your actions once you get close to some of your you know dangerous limits. Um, so causing you to, to pass out when you're getting too hot, um, things like that. And it's just a, it's a subconscious system that, that will just slow you down. Um, and then with the new motivational intensity theory, uh, he's saying that RPE, which is uh, your rating of perceived exertion. Now this was um, can range from, you can go one to 10, so, or that's your common. Yeah sort of rating or the Borg scale, which we generally use, <clears throat> is based off of a, a 6 to 20. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but mm. it's based because at rest, you, m- most people's heart rate sits around 60, and then at maximal effort, it's probably around 200. Yep. So, you know, you most of your exercise is, is generally floats around that 12 to 16. Yeah. So, so it's about people understanding what, where the heart rate sits within that scale. Uh, well, that was how it was designed, but heart rate doesn't, you know, it's it's sort of showing that if you're running at 160, depending on fitness, uh, et cetera, it'll probably feel hard or somewhat hard. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so he's saying that rating of perceived exertion and motivation are the main the main factors that are that are causing us to slow down, so that's, that's psychological. And then he, he also incorporates a, a what's called a neurophysiological um, process um, so what it, what is actually generating our rating of perceived exertion um, so with Noakes he he sort of suggests that uh, it's just a subconscious system that generates a rating of perceived exertion so the subconscious is telling you you're going 80 percent um, because Sorry, I just got a bit lost there. <laughs> That's right. So you're um, talking, yeah, yep. Yeah. So the subconscious system is gonna is is telling you you're going eighty percent um, based off of prior knowledge and sensory input uh, from the working muscles, etc. But then the neurophysiological processes that uh, that Samuel Mayorker and the motivational intensity theory is talking about, he suggests that it's there's no there's no afferent feedback. There's no feedback from the muscle. It's more how much you're having to recruit your muscles. So um, how we showed this was he came out and and ran a test to to really question the the basic assumption um, that had been that had been used on fatigue, saying that um, during high intensity exercise aerobic um, fatigue uh, is caused because subjects no la- longer able to generate power output, you know, for the task despite maximal voluntary effort. So that's saying you're super motivated. You had to push 300 watts for as long as you could, and you stopped because it wasn't because you weren't motivated. It was because either a, a subconscious, a, a neural system was shutting you down, or or the peripheral system was shutting you down. 
<clears throat> but no one had sort of test that basic assumption. So he, what he did was he got 10 male subjects and put them on a, a time trial to exhaustion at, at 80% of their VO2 max. And he tested their maximal um, cycling power output for five seconds before the test. Uh, so that's your baseline measure. And then he also tested them five seconds directly immediately after fatigue, so after they finished the time trial to exhaustion. And then uh, later he also had them cycle, so whatever they did, say they did 10 minutes uh, until they exhausted. Um, then in subsequent days he would have them cycle at, um, so 25% of that, so that's two and a half minutes. Um, he would have them cycle at that and then test them for um their, their maximal power output and what he found was on average you could direct like immediately after um, fatigue you could still produce an average of, of three times the amount of power and so this this really brought, brought a big question into play was if you had maximally exerted all of your effort how could you you know granted there was a two to five second window where they had to adjust the 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 cycle um sort of um configuration to allow for a maximal power output but with just that short amount of rest how could you produce three times the amount of power if you were already if you if you had fatigued um and so what what he suggests is that this uh the ability to do this is is based on on a motivational or you know, if pretty much anyone can, if I said go hard for five seconds, you'll go as hard as you can. Same for 10 seconds. But then if I say go hard as you can for a minute, you already know that that's going to be really sore. Mm. <laughs> that's going to hurt a lot. Um, so people just, no one's that motivated to push themselves that hard. So we can just, you know, say, Go hard for five seconds, your power is going to be bigger than what it is for a minute. Um, but then if I said, all right, so go hard for a minute, you do whatever you average 500 watts. So then we we fully, you know, we have, we have lunch, chill out, and then I say, okay, go hard for a minute. And you're like, oh, not this again. And I say, here's a million dollars if you can go above 600 watts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's, you're going you're gonna to push harder but for no reason, you know, based on the old assumptions of fatigue or the subconscious Noakes model, um, there's, n- there's no reason why why you should be able to go faster. Uh, you will. I mean, you're always going to, well, not always, but, you know, 90% of the time you'll go faster if there's a, there's a line of people clapping for you yeah. or there's a, there's, a, there's a real incentive there. Maybe um, that Kona incentive on yeah. Sunday was just not strong enough for me. <laughs> so, so, well, so well, what you're saying is that basically, you know, when these guys measure, you know, the people get to their top limit, but then when they reset and try to get them to get a higher motivation, as in reduced time, um, they are able to output higher than what they thought they would. Yeah. Um, so it's he's saying that it's. It's a form of um, fatigue rather than being, um, you know, your, your body shutting itself down 
or you yep. just not actually being able to push that hard. It's actually a task disengagement yep. rather than a task failure. Yeah, because the minute it seems, uh, oh my God, this is forever, but I know I can give everything for 10 seconds, so I'll, I'll put more effort and I'm more motivated to push harder at that level. Yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll exist. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's still physiological limits. Yeah. Uh, that, But that's where um, your, your rating of perceived exertion comes in. And if we, because uh, if you if you are fatigued, that can happen. Uh, John did his race on on Sunday, and he's probably you know he's not going to feel like he can replicate that again today because there is muscle fatigue there, and that will make you you know that's going to make you feel like you're going harder. Mm. And the reason for that is, well, based on this theory, is that you you're fatigued, say thirty percent of your muscles. And if you had to say you have 100 muscle fibers, um, and in order to cycle at 200 watts, you had to recruit 50 of those 100 muscle fibers. All right, after the race, you've, you've now fatigued uh, 30%, so 30 muscle fibers. But you still, need to, you still need to recruit, you know, 50. But these 50 are now, instead of 1 to 50, they're now 30 to 80. Yeah. Okay, and those... Once you start recruiting muscles beyond, say, your initial 50, which your your slow, you know, your slow twitch oxidative muscles, you actually start getting into into your fast twitch, and uh, they're the larger and that more easily fatigued, so that they require a, a greater neural output. Um, and oh, I sh- should probably go back and just you you don't fully. Once your muscles fatigued, you don't ever stop um, contracting it. Uh, so you're still contracting that initial thirty, uh, and then on top of that, you've got to, you know, keep recruiting more muscle fibers. Uh, you also have to, you know, supply oxygen to them. So you have to recruit the the respiratory muscles and and your cardiac muscles to to pump more blood, breathe more oxygen. Uh, um, all this requires more neural output which increases your, your rating of exertion, Yeah. so your RPE. One of, um, I know in your notes here, and I'm not exactly sure where it, where it fits into all this, but you, you talked about, um, you know, brain, brain fatigue and, um, <clears throat> and when you get mentally frazzled and mentally tired that, you know, performance can suffer and there's been some research into that as well. And, uh, and when I look at my, say, results over the last 12 months, that certainly fits in quite strongly with my performances. You know, say I've got, uh, what have I done? Have I done one, two, three? I've done three or four races and <clears throat> two races have gone really, really well. And in those races I've been feeling good and quite relaxed and not having to concentrate particularly hard in the race I've either had somebody to follow or or a group to follow mainly on the bike and the two races where I've um, performed below expectations were where I had to concentrate extremely hard on the bike say in the first one um, in Ashburton where I was it was 90k solo struggling to keep my power had to concentrate the whole way and then frazzled got a bit frazzled on the run equally at the weekend that I'd just been you know I had to concentrate very very hard on the bike because of the numbers of um, people on the course and I was crapping myself I was going to crash a few times into you know thousands of people so again 
took quite a lot of mental um, fatigue uh, going into the run. So you, you have talked a bit about, um, well, there's, you sent some notes around that. Um, there was some research into you know, how mentally fresh you are um, and how that relates to performance. Yeah, so what, um, what was uh, the, the same guy, Samuel Mayorka, showed us, he, he pre-fatigued um, subjects, so, but he did it using two methods. Rather than using your traditional, you know, go out and, and run 10Ks and then come in and, and do, do a time trial, he also did a, a mental fatigue where uh, he used a, a computer program where you'd have uh, shapes or, or uh, numbers you know, uh, flying towards you, and you'd have to click the button if there was, a, say, a square, uh, and you'd have to do this for for up to sixty to ninety minutes. <clears throat> you know, and initially it seems pretty easy, you just square, square, number one, number one. But afterwards, you, you you start getting sort of a brain fade, and you start, you know, oh, I wonder, I wonder what I'm going to have for lunch. <laughs> you know, those sort of things. <clears throat> you you just lose concentration. And anyway, so after that. Uh, uh, I don't need to sort of you know tell you guys after you've sat in front of a computer doing something really you know intensive, um, you 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 just feel pretty crap. You you feel tired, mm. um, and so and then likewise after a ten k run, you might not you know mentally feel that that uh, fatigue, but after the time trial, and these were the same subjects in a, a crossover design study. He showed the the power was reduced. You know the the overall time to exhaustion or, or time trial uh, performance was reduced by about the same same amount. Um, so this sort of is like well, if the body's clearly fine, you've you've woken up and you've just sat in front of a computer. Why are you slowing down? And so there's a certain um, certain hormones and molecules get released, and one of one of the specific ones is adenosine. Okay, so when you when you are concentrating, you know, or if you have lack sleep, you get a build up of adenosine, and this is sort of a a, a molecule that's saying to you know indicates stress, or it's just another sig- signal signaling molecule that tells your body to slow slow itself down, and it's time to sleep. Yeah, so you can actually train this like you can train your muscles. Uh, you can you can train them to burn fat at a at a greater percentage output, um, and you can actually train your brain to to you know metabolize and and maybe not put out so much adenosine or handle the feeling of having a higher concentration through uh, a mental training. Um, so your original uh, question, I guess, was the, the concentration. So yeah, it's if you have to if you're forced to concentrate for longer, and you haven't really trained to be able to do that, uh, then you're gonna your perceived exertion is going to be higher. So if you didn't sleep all night and then went out and run, and I said run, John, you got it. You got a one hour run at seventy percent. You're probably thinking, oh, okay, I, I can run three thirties for this, mm. but you get out and you haven't slept all night, so you're going to run four minute k's. Mm. But then, where if we if we allow for your for you to be fresh for you, for your actual physiological adaptations, you know, you really fast 
sessions, general training, etc. But this run is just, it's, it's more of a mental training run. If you're still able to maintain 70 to 80%, you know, perceived effort, then you're actually getting the same benefits uh, as what you would if if you were running faster because right. it's it's actually your, your ability to um, sustain, to feel that effort and stay concentrated for, for that amount of time. So I guess that's an important <clears throat> application for people when they are training. You know, say you're having a bit of an <clears throat> off day on, the, say, you, I don't know, say you've got five by ten minutes to do on the trainer and you're not quite able to hit your numbers but the perceived exertion is is there is not necessary to throw in the towel you know you, you, you're gonna according to this you're gonna get some uh, some similar sort of benefits from, you know, the, mental from, from the mental side of things yeah, yeah and um you know I was, I was explaining this to to a, an athlete friend of mine and and then he was saying oh this this sort of sounds a, a lot like um what, what I've read or heard about Brett Sutton and I'm like well that's he's you know as much as Brett doesn't doesn't like um science <laughs> or sports science um a lot of what I what I read or hear about him is has a direct science relationship and sure you know um science is always catching up to to coaches and and athletes but um yeah I mean I don't know if you've read Chrissy Wellington's book but she talks about doing 30 to 40 k's in a in a you know small room on a treadmill downstairs, um, you know there's no there is some physiological benefit you know there's some fitness and muscular adaptations to that but just the sheer mental you know um, stress and concentration that's required to run forty k's in a dungeon mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's where you're really getting the benefits it's a you know like a hundred one hundreds in the pool. Mm. Uh, kind of a, a, a pointless exercise for swimming, for swimming purposes. But once you've done 100 100s, things are going to seem a lot easier when, you, when you're doing a 5K set. Mm. Can, I, can I ask, um, yeah. Can I ask? you know, what are the practical implications for athletes? And, you know, obviously we've got our old you know, peripheral and the central governor and now we've got this motivational intensity kind of philosophy or theory coming out, you know, for the people listening to the show right now, what are some of the ways we can apply this to our training? Obviously, some of the stuff you talk about now, doing stuff where you have to focus on concentration, um, you know. But when we look at you know the rate P model, like how do we, you know, if I'm out there, how do I take this knowledge and make myself a better athlete with it? Okay, well, I guess what what you want to do is is there's there's a couple things. Um, I guess the first one would be you know if you've had a hard day at work and you, you've got to do um, whatever session, it's it's an interval session on on your indoor trainer and, yeah, you've got to, you know, if you've got power down but the power is set for 80% of, of just think of, just take the numbers out of it and take all your control, um, your, your, your number feedback and just go, okay, I'm going to go 80% um, because you're still going to get, you know, so don't don't just knock the session on the head. Really, mentally fight your way through it. Uh, the next would be to to incorporate a, a mentally challenging session. Uh, so, you know, a common sort of thing would be your ten four hundreds or mm. or even fifteen four hundreds in the pool, uh, or just a you know doing your 
I don't know if you if most of your listeners probably looking at half Ironman to Ironman. Mm-hmm. So running for for two hours at at a steady uh, steady intensity, uh, something that you know you'd really you'd really question yourself on something you'd be you know if you were doing it you'd go oh I don't really need to do this oh I'm training in the grey zone oh, I've got this on tomorrow yeah. you know the excuses you know those be- sessions we yeah and you know, oh, do I really need to run two hours steady? All of those things. That's you want to incorporate. The easiest way I'd say would be incorporate a mental, mentally challenging session, and you're going in there, and you're not. You know, this is where um, sport, the sports psychology area comes into it. You don't go in there going, "This is going to be hard." You just go, "Okay, I'm going in there, and this is this is the mentally mentally challenging session," and then you you're able to implement your you know your your psychology psychological sort of um, uh, uh, I guess arsenal how how you approach it and uh, the best way to do that uh, there was also discussed of this fatigue was to just embrace the discomfort okay so you know it's going to be there be prepared for it you're not going to get into a set of 100 100s in the pool and not have it be mentally challenging. So go in there, realize it's going to, you know, there's going to be a mental challenge and and then once it comes, just accept that it's there. Don't don't try and disengage from it. Uh, don't try and ignore it. Just accept that it's there and then learn to <clears throat> learn to just have discomfort as a presence. It is often the case, you know, I think a lot of people they have the sessions they really don't like doing they don't like getting on the wind trainer for a couple of hours they can't do more than an hour so I think as you're saying it's just got to get in there and suck it up and just do some of those sessions and uh but, but is, it, is, it, is it just about sucking it up or is it about having strategies in place at those times like I know I play piano and piano is one of my mentally draining activities I do in my day and uh you know what I really do to make sure I have a good piano session is I sit down I write my objectives of my session I'm looking for those moments where I'm getting mentally fatigued and I might just do a micro break where I you know just get up get off my piano for a couple of minutes and then I can get back to my focus time you know is sucking up the answer or is actually trying to have mental strategies in place so that you can hold concentration for higher levels of time. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's definitely, um, and there's one of my colleagues here at uh, the sport and exercise uh, school at, at Massey, um, Gary Hermanson is sports psychologist. Um, and yeah, it's, it's about having those strategies, you know, like what I was talking about, the, the mindfulness. So rather than doing a, a rather than trying to disassociate from uh, the feeling of discomfort, is being aware of it. Um, so you, with piano, uh, you're able to, you know, have a micro break, yeah, et cetera. But, you know, in an Ironman, there's no there's no breaks. You, you, you have to do the whole thing. Mm. Um, and so it, it's it's about training to, to be, you know, to sustain that level of, I guess, effort um, both mentally and physically. So really, just being able to to handle that that discomfort um, for for that period of time, uh, and that's I think that's a big reason why rather the run walk strategy is is can be quite successful. Because um, almost like there's a sense of relief within there. Yeah, well, that's that's one of the strategies. You know, if you're going, 
if you're in a in a run that so John for for you 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 did the the half and in the run at about uh, I'm not sure uh, 10k say you started slowing down a bit uh, rather than thinking okay oh, I'm slowing down this isn't uh, I've got 10k's to go based on you know the the motivational intensity and, and you're going you can go you know maximally for five seconds you start picking off uh, objects um, uh, sort of things that just very close to um, in in the distance so 200 meters or 100 meters away there's a tree you're going okay I'm sustaining this pace until the tree okay so you, you sort of I guess you you can live with fatigue or the the presence of discomfort up until that tree and then once you get to the tree you go okay this this um this kink in the road um so you, you use things that you're going to approach in a, in a short duration so you you're really breaking the race up into manageable parts. Yeah. It's like kind of the process-driven thinking as well, isn't it? It's so all those types of things is how do I stay in this intensity but shift my thinking to other places that keeps me focused on things, other things. Yeah, yeah, but it, and it's it's also, yeah, so you've, you've trained your mind to, uh, or, you know, you know what it feels like to go hard for a long period of time and also you, you've developed an ability to stay um, concentrated mm-hmm. so you can continually concentrate on you, you've learned to live with the feeling of discomfort so you've also been able to concentrate on just that tree just that kink in the road just the crossing up there rather than going oh, I'm gonna oh no this, this is hard this is way too hard this is you know it's a You've got to be able to to maintain concentration, and whether that's through sitting at work all day and then doing two hours on the indoor trainer, or it's doing five hours on the indoor trainer. You know, if if this, you know, if we are looking at what is actually slowing us down, and it's not fully peripheral or it's not fully subconscious, then then they're both going to elicit the same the same sort of adaptations. So, I mean, um, we'd love to talk for hours on end about this stuff, but is there any other any other key messages you want to get across to, to listeners? Um, we'll come back to you another time and talk about low-carb and ultra-endurance performance, but um, in terms of this you know, uh, subject, anything else you want to add? Oh, yeah, I'd love to talk about uh, low-carb and ultra-endurance. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, in terms of um, for this, I guess... Um, I, it's an old adage, but when we're looking at at training, we're looking at a stress, and then we're looking at a rest, and then we get the adaptation. And then the next thing that came in line is sort of specificity. So you know you can you can stress your muscles to get and then rest them and get the adaptation you need. But then you got that specificity. So if it's eight hours, or you know plus. <laughs> Uh, for most people, then you've got to mentally stress yourself, but you also have to mentally rest yourself to get that adaptation. Uh, so I guess that's, you know, don't don't think now that um, because you've been, because there's still, you know, there's still stress related to, to forcing yourself to do this all the time. Uh, so don't don't think now that, oh, I'm really tired. I can I can just push through and it's going to make me a better athlete. It's only, 
you still need a rest to get that adaptation. And so uh, I think, um, you know, John, your your epic camps, they're probably mm-hmm. a prime example. You know, you, you, you physically and mentally challenge yourself for a period of time and you can sustain that, you know. You can get up and go, okay, I just, I'll just push through this next day and then – you know, after that, you have a good rest, mm. uh, and I'm sure you're you're, you're mentally and, and physically, you know, stronger for it. So yeah, I guess I guess that's just the the main thing is to implicate, you know, the the ability to put in, you know, do your your mental training session, so you you long sustained effort, or just when you know you have a huge day at work, but it's not physically demanding. Then, then get in there and uh, and do that, but also know that uh, you, you still need to be to mentally rest. Cool. Very good. Yeah, good stuff. Righto. Well, well um, are you going to be up in Taupo giving me some advice on the sidelines? Yep. Uh, Have a rest. Six, <laughs> Have a sleep. Time or not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you using the, the run-walk? Run protocol up there I will be yep yep and that was one of the things yeah a number of things let me down at the weekend and uh, I started off with the run walk and then yeah my mind was not on on task but in, in Taupo certainly we'll be uh, walking each aid station and still yeah, still so running three hours flat yeah sub, sub <laughs> yeah, 240 I heard <laughs> so um, yeah well you know if uh, if anyone uh, going to going to Kona is uh, wanting a a qualified sports scientist to help them out uh, <laughs> for the for the cost of a flight. I'll be I'll be happy to help them out with the training, uh, physical, psychological, and uh, nutrition. You just need to you need to get a copy of our ebook for thirty dollars, yeah, and, you, and then you'll, <laughs> you'll be into one. We're always into self promotion. How will people get hold of you, Will? Um, well, I've got a got a Twitter handle at Will O'Connor. Um, I guess you I can just I'm following you guys, so you could just retweet. Yep. Uh, that and otherwise, uh, I'm got a just general email, and uh, I'm for for most people, I'm just I'm generally happy to to help out with the just small things, um, you know, whether it's just nutritional advice or you know something to do with training. If it's just a quick email, then flip that through at uh, O'Connor oh, at Massey.acn.nz, um, and if it's if someone's looking for for more help or, or special metabolic testing or uh, psychological, you know, more how to implement into that training, we can just talk about that further. Awesome. Well, thanks awesome. for your time, well, mate. Awesome stuff there. And that's yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of guts we could go into in a lot more detail. So we'll definitely get you back on at some stage. So thanks for your time. Well. Yeah, cheers. It's just it's good to um, sort of pass information on to the the general community because I think that sort of can be lacking in in sports science. Uh, so it's great, you know. It's really appreciate uh, you guys having me on and and the things you're doing on the show. Awesome, mate. Thanks, Thanks, mate. John, your thoughts. It's all good stuff. A lot of it is applicable to my race at the weekend, <clears throat> and 
It's interesting, go, isn't it? Go through that a bit. It's more. interesting because I know my strategy in life now is how do I manage my energy and my my concentration time. So like each Monday morning, I have what I call my Monday morning week, my Monday morning meeting, mm-hmm. and I spend half an hour planning my week. And I meeting I, with yourself. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I, how are you going to be? Oh, I'm good. You know, how's this week been? Well, you know, and then I have negotiation over yeah. things. But I, I plan out my week, and then I think about concentration times and energy levels for my week. So I actually mm-hmm. plan my days based on. What are my harder tasks in the day? What are the best mm-hmm. time in the day to put them in? What are my rest strategies around that? Mm-hmm. So like for me, I'm no good on the computer for more than two hours, so I need to have a rest strategy within that. Mm-hmm. And um, and like, like I was saying in the interview around um, my piano playing, and everything I'm trying to get, I get a lot better at is knowing when you have lost your, your triggers for distraction. Mm-hmm. So like I know if I'm jumping on Facebook more than, you know, a couple times an hour or, or in a very short period of time or checking my emails lots mm. that's a sign that I'm getting mentally fatigued and actually I need to input, put a rest in there and, and I found since I've been doing this geez, my, my work output and the quality of my work has just you know gone tenfold better mm. because when I'm working I'm just being able to nail it or when I'm on my piano I'm being able to nail it mm. and it's interesting with this stuff and as you're saying when you're doing a race you don't have that ability but it was interesting he was talking about the run walk with you and how that gives yeah. you that mental rest when you're doing it and uh there is a lot to be said about this side of things, doesn't it? Yeah, there is. And, and, and he, what was good is he talked about the theory and then there were some good applications in terms of what you can do to actually become better yourself, you mm. know, putting yourself in those those tricky sets. You know, he talked about, you know, 100, 100s and things like that is, uh, is just getting used to being in that uncomfortable situation, embracing it, not being scared of it. And, uh, yeah, sometimes just doing some of those sessions that – you might have steered away from in the past. Yeah, well, it does teach you mental toughness as well, doesn't it? Ultimately, mm. that's what you're gaining there, isn't it? And you can't, these things, you can't just flick a switch, you know. Um, you can't just go, oh, I'm going to be mentally strong tomorrow. Just things you've got to keep working away at. And, and I think one thing we didn't really discuss is, you know, so much of us, it's all about the training. Are you getting the training exactly right? I've got to do four by 10 minutes and I've got to hit 240 watts. And if I do that, I'm going to be awesome on the day. You know, that's good. Um, but as said, you know, having some spending some time strategizing around your your mental game plan, becoming a bit stronger, doing things like race plans and, and the things Bevan talked about is going to make you, you know, all round get to that finish line a bit quicker. So it's all good. Okay, Jumbo sponsor. Athlinks.com. Put my unofficial result for seventy point three up on Athlinks. So if you you know, they'll they'll probably take a week or so before they put the official results up there once they all get confirmed. And what you can do on Athlinks if you've got the the event in your calendar or if you just add it in as an event you've done you can just chuck in your unofficial time and lay a bit of smackdown talk on there as well if you really want to but a, a really cool other thing that they can do is you know you can put in little mini reports and, and I've done that with a number of my little races and you can they've just got a really simple little form you can use you can go through and you can rate the event and the course so you can go through overall event give it a, a, a five star rating or whatever star you want to do it you can do that execution course city swag etc etc and then you can go through and then you can rate your own performance in that race uh, in terms of your performance blah 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 um, training sleep nutrition how important it was and then you can put some quick comments so it's not a detailed race report but through the reality is most people don't do any sort of race report whatsoever. Well, this is a game where it's really cool because if we go back to the whole idea, it's really cool to actually see your results in the future to look back and go, wow, there's you know, all the races I did. And then you could actually go back and read because, you, you know, other, you know, other than key moments from a race, how often do you really remember what you did a race 10 years ago? And so I've done this with a couple of races. You know, so, some races I don't even remember very much at all. So I did a 10K back in... Uh, 
February last year, February 2012, no, February 2012, so two years ago, uh, or year and where are we now? We're 2014, yeah, nearly two years ago. Yeah. And you know, I, did, I did a really quick one there. I gave myself one star for performance <laughs> and, and under my comments I wrote, did not did not get checked <laughs> uh, over a rolling course and headwind both ways. So it just gives you those little reminders of what the course was like. And you know, say for example, um, you know, if I, if I go back and if I had some reports there on my half Ironman from a few years ago, and you can say, why the hell was it so so slow that year? You can say, oh, the weather was crap, or it was three degrees at the start, and it was really windy. The nice thing and, about it now is yeah. it's, it's really easy to navigate that too, because John just said that. So I quickly looked up John, and it was the Cashmere Downs Twilight 10k, and uh, you know, you got next to race report you click it down it just pops on out you know you don't mm. go to another page it's just really kind of you know user friendly now isn't it you're Auckland oh you're, you're pretty happy with Auckland go at four stars you go at four star yeah, yeah so so yeah it's just a nice little concise way for the guys that do massive big, solid day solid day solid day John for guys that do big long reports and you save them on your computer that's a different story but if you want to just keep a quick Jeez, you've record, got a races, haven't you? yeah so what, what race would you give yourself a five star uh, these races. Well, I would have given myself probably a five star for that uh, the, the Barfoot and Thompson World yep. Triathlon Champs um, or um, World Cup race in earlier this year. That's probably yep. a five star. Would have probably given myself about a, a three and a half to probably a four star for seventy point three in Kona, and for the weekend I probably. Oh, would that have was given a four star effort, wasn't it? Sorry, that was a four star effort. When Kona. Yeah, seventy point three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was four star. Yeah. And the weekend probably would have given myself three and a half. And we'll go into that in a moment. Okay. So check it all out, athlinks.com. Do you want music? Do you want some music? Uh, or yeah. put some music on yeah. based on how I think you feel about your weekend. Don't, don't give me the medal ceremony. Okay, here we go, here we go. <laughs> John's, John's race report. <laughs> okay, the music wasn't the greatest, I admit it, but the problem was they don't really have sad music on this thing I've got. <laughs> but I, I put there as deep, dark place. Yeah. Tell so, us, John, John, what happened? You, so you turn up to 70.3, you had one goal to get your Kona slot, and you thought to yourself, you know, as long as I race a smart race, get in, you know, get in a good swim so I can get in some good riders, you know, I should be able to pull this off. Should be pretty straightforward, based off last year's results. Yeah. Uh, so I, was, I had a full week of taper, so I was ready to rumble on, on the day. You know, I was still... Had you know, we obviously know about those issues I had over Christmas and New Year, but I was fully rested for the race. No excuses, Re- ready, to, ready to go. Yeah, a few excuses, but <laughs> we'll hear them as they come up. <laughs> um, <laughs> swim, so it was discussed with the last wave. And you know, you know, when you get a countdown at the start of a swim, what what you, you, you'd go, do you know, what the funny was, do you know, what the funny thing was when Wanaka on the weekend because. We were, we were all time clocks and were, yeah. you know, 30 minutes so I go two minutes to go and the guy on the boat had telecom time not Vodafone time oh really so yeah so that was alright not in the main race in one of the age group races it wasn't that bad but right yeah it's got, so anyway you know you go, I go on two generally you know you, if they of get, course you do I've, I've seen you go <laughs> yeah. so I'm thinking right you're always jumping the gun they, they had a they had two they you know they had four boys you'd start between so you, you had to stay behind the first sign and then they were going to call you up to the, to the, to the first you had to stay behind the second boys and then to start they'd call you up the front line and then I Three, figured, two, John's I figured you'd be off and so we're all behind the, 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 the second line of boys and they call us up the front line and I'm sort of just about to, I'm just making my way up and then everybody went oh so your trip didn't work I <laughs> got smoked at the start I lost like I would have lost just about a full body length I was pretty annoyed so so did everyone else do the two everyone went on three did they everyone went before you even got the bloody before they the problem with triathlon you can't stop it then it's, no. it's done so I had to swim through there but um, and I got a good clock it's in the payback. eye I got a real good clock in the eye did you uh, but anyway 
the f- coming up to the first boy, the three of us going head to head, sort of side by side, or two of us going side by side. And I'm thinking, oh, this is pretty sweet. And then good old Tim McClurg from Christchurch comes out of nowhere up the inside and, and takes it at the first boy. And I think, game on, I'm just going to boom, locked onto Tim's feet. And it was fantastic. Just swam around the whole course, just sitting so did on you, Tim's did you, feet. You, was there a bit of a group or? Well, there was, <laughs> I, I muscled my way onto his feet. And you know you got to you got to do that a little bit. There was another guy swimming next to me, and I just gave him a few nudges. So I just sat on Tim's feet, and it was poor form by me. I was hitting his feet far too often, but sometimes it's hard. But I know, especially in ocean, because you can't see as well. You often get into a good rhythm, but I had this bloody guy swimming next to me, and I had to keep muscling him off a little bit, and so I I wasn't able to just leave that sort of twenty centimeter gap. Did he try to kick your hand? Sorry, did he get a bit angry? Oh no, Tim was called out. He knew it was me. and so that was all good. And so I just, and intensity was low because Tim's about the same swimmer as me. So when I'm sitting on his feet, yep. it was like bang on because if I'd been swimming by myself, I would have been going the same speed but a lot more effort. Yep. Something. And this is perfect, clear water. There's nobody in front. I'm at the front of the field. It's all sweet. And then, uh, so I was pretty poor form by me tapping his feet. But even worse form was just, <sighs> just before you finish the swim, there's a boy. Maybe I don't know. 30. So Tim's dragged everyone around for yeah. how long? Uh, the whole way, whole way from so, from the first boy. So three hundred meters in, so, pulled us around for one and a half k's. Okay. Come to the last boy, this other dude just uh, all of a sudden I'm going, oh, where's my bubble's gone? These guys just smoked, and this guy smoked around Tim and tried to sprint him to the finish, and Tim didn't want to borrow that, and so they're going for it at the end of the swim, and I'm thinking, yeah, man, that, Tim's just let us a whole swim, yeah. and you're going to smoke him, poor form. Anyway, so I came out of the swim. So wait, did Tim get it? No, he didn't. This other guy took him. <laughs> he wasn't happy about it. So I thought, get sweet, prime position, coming off the, out of the swim, haven't used up much energy, straight on the bike, straight into first place, looking down at power meter, going, sweet, exactly where I want to be, this feels right, and going through the first, um, yeah, it was probably about a 45-kilometre loop through north, um, north of Auckland over the Harbour Bridge, lots of hills, lots was of Was it cool going over turns. the bridge? Uh, to be honest, I just treated it like another hill. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people go, oh, the view. I'm, like, I'm concentrating on what oh, I'm doing. I'm an athlete. Yeah. So anyway. I'm here to win this thing. Lots of twists and turns, but power was exactly where I wanted it to be. And unlike other races, it was feeling right. So I, was, I think I averaged 274 coming um, into the, the front. And that's where you wanted to be? It's just, it's just above where I wanted to be. And I'm thinking, sweet, this feels exactly right. Going along, speed is awesome. And then... You have two laps on the waterfront, which is flat, and then you start getting all the lapped athletes, and it was it was some serious congestion there. But first lap um, was sweet. I actually managed to tuck on a team rider for well, a short period. Was it easy enough for you to identify who was in your class? Uh, well, I kind of because I was at the front, I kind of knew anybody that passes me. I'm going to look at what's going yep. on. And on the first of the two laps uh, down the front, I must have passed somebody who's in the wave in front of me, and he tacked on to me and then started lapping it out with me oh, legally. Right. Yep. Uh, and I thought, sweet, you know, I'm, I'm going to share the load with him because he's not in my age group, yep. so this is great. And then the start of the second lap, so we're talking 70, so what, probably about 75, 70, 75K in, got t- caught by two other guys that came past, and I looked, and they were both in my age group, and I thought, okay. right. I'm just sitting, sitting yep. on here and massive drop off in my wattage. Um, speed was staying about the same, but my watts dropped about 40 watts uh, when I was sitting And that was legal distance? Yeah. So and were you rolling or did you just sit at the back? Uh, when these guys caught, I just sat at the back. And one poor guy, I thought he was going to get... And you sprinted them at the end, didn't you? <laughs> I did I thought one guy was going to get whiplash. He was looking back at me so many times. I was like, I'm just sitting legal distance. I've worked 70Ks by myself and you guys have been working it together. Anyway, so my, uh, my effort is going down. Power is going down. Speed's was going down a little bit, but I was going, well, yep. I'm not saving try, energy take it off, here. Yeah. 
So coming off the bike, I was thinking, sweet, um, this has gone pretty well. Um, basically, with the, the lead guys, I knew one of the guys was a monster. He was huge. I thought, he's not running, he's, fast. He's not yeah. running fast. And then I uh, figured I'd be able to take anybody else on. And so it was, it was game on. So what kind of bike. time were you thinking for the half? Um, well, I was thinking around about the four four hour ten mark or a little bit under yep. because last year they went the winner went four fifteen in the age group and he and it was about a k or k and a bit long so I thought about four ten would be about and, and runtime you were thinking uh, so a goal was probably around one twenty which yep. is which is quite a stretch I think if I go under one twenty that's that's a pretty good run so I was thinking a really good run would be. Um, 120-ish, one, say 119 to 121. Yep. Uh, a good run would have been 121 to say 123, and anything 124 above was going to be pretty pretty ordinary. Yep. Started off thinking sweet. By 3K, I was into the lead, having a little walk at 3K, and hitting my K marks pretty good, you know, sort of sitting around th- between 345 and 355, so it's pretty much where I wanted to be, and thinking, feeling pretty good, and going, yep, this is all on, and hit the front, and got this race under control. And just got to run a steady run, and I'm home and hosed. And then so 10k comes by. 10k. I get to the turn. I'm just thinking, oh, starting to feel a pinch a little bit here at 10k, <laughs> just a little bit. But thinking, no, nah, that's okay. You know, you got 10k to go. You'll be fine. And then just. And how much of a lead did you have at this moment? Didn't really know, but somebody thought I had like a, a minute or so at so that stage. A decent size. So it, re- it was reasonable. And then and then just each K after that got just progressively a little bit worse. And by about sort of 14 to 15 K, I was in a world of pain <laughs> and made the final turn for home, which I guess was about 15 K and was still on the lead. But I saw one guy who was only 20 metres behind and the guy that I had passed who at the start of the 3K in the run was not too far behind, and I kind of figured he was probably moving a bit quicker than me. Thinking, oh, this is not so good. So you dig deep land or did you just go, it's over? Uh, I dug as deep as I could. Yeah. And so then one guy passed me just after that final turn, and then another guy passed me with uh, about 3K to go, and he was moving quite quickly. So even if I'd responded, I wouldn't have been able to keep up. And then the final guy caught me at less than a K to go and there was minimal fight left at that stage. <laughs> minimal fight. Uh, who knows? If that had been for second, who knows what I might have been yeah, able to do. Yeah. But I knew, oh yeah, yeah, it was a little bit mentally weak. That was a bit disappointing. So overall, it was really good swim. Really pleased with my bike. And the main issue I had on the run, I didn't get the nutrition in. Well, that's what I, it was some mental but mostly nutrition. And on the bike, I was concentrating so hard to, to not crash, and I got to the end, and I thought, oh, truth, I've still got you know a quarter of a bottle there or maybe a third of a bottle of my Infinite in there, which is my key nutrition. And when I had, had one of my M's bites, I only took a, like, a little nibble and chucked a rest, and so I was just a bit shy on my nutrition, and I think that's what really cost me. So okay. disappointing, but really pleasing that I had a good bike. If I'd come away with it with a bad bike, I would have been a little bit stressed but had a really good bike really pleased with my swim felt really good on the run until just nutrition seemed to run out what kind out. of wattage will you aim for in your Ironman uh, so I if if I'd continued on solo on that ride I was I think I was 274 coming off that first half and then through the, that 10k loop uh, though the first loop on the front I was keeping it around about the 270 to 275 and so for Ironman I'll be pitching around about sort of 230 mark yep. um, which I'm pretty confident will be sustainable so um, 
yeah, so really pissed off I didn't get a slot because that was the objective. And had I had a good run, it still would have been marginal if I'd won. I think I would have been, you know, the guy that, that won, he ran a 121, and I'm not sure how far down he was, but I would have had to have had a, a good, solid run to win. Uh, a steady run would have got me second. John, I've got a few questions. only a minute behind second. A couple of random questions. When you're an Ironman, mm. and let's say, you, you know, 2.30 is the aim, but you get in, you know, you get in a good draft pack, mm. you know, legal draft. Um, where do you decide that actually I'd still go faster if I went out by my front? Uh, I'll be looking at speed, and in an Ironman, because it's not all age, you know, I'll be riding with guys in yeah. my age group. I'll I'll be sharing a load. Yeah. When it came to that final section of the bike, I'm like, oh no, I've, you know, this is I'm racing to win here. Yeah. Uh, so then I'll be sharing the load at the front, and I'll be checking my speed when I go to the front and sort of see. And then when somebody else comes through, I'll be assessing my speed as well. But because you're rotating much, do you go well? Maybe I can sit on 240 when I'm at the front. Uh, there'd be a, a, a little bit of that going on, yeah. but I'd be yeah, I'd be a little bit careful about going over my zone. I'd be perfectly comfortable staying below but I would be reluctant to go above for long periods if it was a case of staying with a group um, but going to the front and going 240 possibly not okay mm. other questions you know you've kind of created this kind of big thing around you getting to Kona does, mm. do, do you feel pressure uh, the, I mean I'm extremely confident that I will be get good there. enough to get yeah. there in Taupo but it's added a level of stress that I didn't really want yeah. because if something goes wrong in Taupo not necessarily in performance but if I break a chain or something yeah. then, I'm, then I'm screwed so it would have been really nice to have it in the bag but realistically you know you and I we both when we both did it last time we both exploded and were walking on the run and we still did 9.30 something yeah. or other and that would be good enough to qualify so in terms of performance I'm not at all worried but there is that added stress of uh of something going wrong, yeah. So, you're, you're like, if I was a bit, like, I totally think you'll get there, but I just, you know, like you've kind of created this thing that you're going mm. to go to Kona, and there's because yeah, the thing is about John and I is that you know there's an expectation now, isn't there? And there's, mm. a, there's an audience that's following you, and I know it's a bit of a bunger after a race when you go, oh, you know, I didn't quite have the race I wanted. Mm. And uh, but when know. I look at the splits of what I did versus other age groups, I'm actually really pleased, and it, and it, because it's a small fix, I think had I got the nutrition right, I would have been a bit better. I might not have won. And that was the objective was to win. But I think a small little fix, and I know my running will get better because I had two weeks off over Christmas mm. where I didn't run at all. So that had an impact. But, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm pissed off, but I'm actually quite pleased. The main thing was the bike went well. If the bike had not gone well, I'd be slightly more concerned. So we've got, what, five weeks to tempo? Uh I think it's six. And I've got some really good training coming up. So I'm so what do you do now? Because you like to do your half Ironman simulation or do you call that race... Do you uh, do another one? Uh, I'll do another simulation, but we've got a camp next week where I'm going to ride. You know, it's a four-day camp, and I'm doing three 200k rides in four days and yep. a three and a half hour run. So I'm a lot more confident in Ironman than I am halves anyway. So mm. uh, I'm pretty optimistic. But I didn't. I, I let my wingman fill down as well because I need to get a slot for him to mean there was an extra slot for uh, for him and ta- and for him and Taupo, which was a bit of a bugger. Um, what, 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 what's Phil looking at? Hopefully, he'll go about. 9.30-ish in Taupo. And how many slots are there in your age group? Well, it'll probably be four or five. So, so if he does 9.30, he'll be fine. He should be fine. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. But yeah. you never know. These bloody Aussies. See, they spo- the Aussies spoil the party. I've got to oh, give bloody bit, Australians. Got to give a bit of love to the guy that won because he's a listener as well, Paul O'Donoghue or something And he would have like been loving that. it too because you've been talking about <laughs> the game. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> You'd be loving it. He, he, he had a good right run. Right now, as he's listening, he's just smiling on the inside, aren't you, Paul? That's yeah. okay, you earned it. Yeah, he did. And... 
uh, he came past me at a, at a great rate of knots on the on the run. And he's a an Irish dude living in Australia. And then there was another Aussie who got second. Oh, so I, I, Australians. I said I pretty much to had your own a, races. I had the Kiwis covered. Well, I didn't in the end because it was a Kiwi that passed me with a K to go. But I thought I pretty much had the Kiwis covered, and I did. It was just those damn Australians or people living in Australia that came over and uh, stole the party. I've got to say the standard lift lifted significantly this year, uh, both in my age group and another age group. So Paul. O'Doherty from Ireland he did a 26 swim so he was a minute and a half to behind me in the swim rode 218 so it was a minute behind me in so the are you bike. riding with him on no, who's behind no. you so he was he was two and a half minutes down on me off the bike and then he ran a 121 so I would have only had to run a 123 three and I would have been sweet uh, but you Luke, didn't John no, so Luke, Paul Luke, well done Luke God from Australia who is God uh, he he was the one that passed me with about three k to go. He did fourteen, and then Quentin Fogarty from Auckland, I think he is. He did fourteen, so I was uh, fifty seconds off second, fifty seconds from qualifying. Oh, really? But you've got to say, I've I got don't to, you hate that we're searching for fifty seconds. How yeah. were your transitions? Poor. Oh, see, I, you've done up, a Molina coming off the bike. I dropped a shoe. Oh, uh, and I thought. I ran about 20 minutes and I thought, no, I better go back. What do you mean you that. dropped the shoe? My shoe came unclicked um, from my from from the bike. Yeah. And so, you know, you come off with your feet out of your pedals. Oh, and you're like, do I, do I want to pay $200 for a new pair of shoes? It wasn't so much as that. It's more that you've got, you're supposed to go back and get oh, it. Oh, come on. Now, I've got to say, so the, the 30-34 age group, Rob Creasy took it out, 409-21. Fourth place was only 33 seconds behind. Wow, that's cool. That is pretty So close. how big was the field? I think it was about 1,200 or so. And, and I think I asked you earlier, but I, I, ne- I never listened. Um, spectators? Yeah, it was good. Yeah? Yeah, really good. As many as like the ITU? Um, more than, more for the eight. Yeah, yeah, there was. I mean, in terms of the ITU elite race, not as many, um, but for just general age group racing, yeah, it was good. Oh, good stuff. Okay, well, there you go. Mm. Bring on Tapo. Must try, and har- must try harder. Must try harder. What, a three and a half did you give yourself? Yeah. Okay, good. Give myself four, four to... Four to four and a half for the swim bike and uh, two for the run. Yeah. Average that yeah, out. Yeah, okay, there we go. <laughs> okay, our sponsor. Coffees of Hawaii. Oh, tell me about the environment, John. Okay, Ben. <laughs> tell you about the environment. Coffees of Hawaii puts back into the environment. Does it? Yes, it does. Yeah. They're 1% for the planet. As a producer of high-quality coffee in both Hawaii and Nicaragua, we are in tune with and the mercy of the environment in a big way. Our plantations depend on the timely rainfall and the stable growing conditions. So basically, um, for this reason, we pay attention. We protect, we seek change. As a member of 1% for the planet, we are a company that is empowered to make change, and you can make a change too. Let us know what programs you want us to support. So basically, these um, guys at Coffees of Way, they put into 1% for the planet, um, dot org for um, basically you know, the profits they make. They put it back into the planet. So good on them. It's another reason why you should support Coffees of Hawaii. Well, John, do you know what? What? It's the year of the horse. Is it? Yep. I don't know much about the, the Chinese years. Yeah. What does a horse do? Um, you know, is it like the stars? Is it like, you know, you're, if you're a Leo, you're this? I don't know, Bevan. No, neither. But to celebrate the Chinese New Year of the horse, we have created a limited edition custom roast of our naturally dried, oh, I always get this word wrong, Arabic? Yeah, coffee. Um, it's not Arabic. <laughs> From Malakai. Uh, a hearty coffee for the true coffee lover with a husky, yet smooth, full body taste. Right. So if you don't, if you don't, I'm know, the if you don't know the word, you okay. just sort of. Yeah, that's what I do. 
Come on, Apple. Come on. Computer skills. Arabica. 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 Yeah. Oh, it's close. Cool. There we go. There you go. There you go. Check it out, Coffees of Hawaii. If you want all the promo codes, go through imtalk.me and you can find them there. If you're in winter somewhere in the world right now, get yourself some Coffees of Hawaii and it just gets you feeling good. Mm. Jumbo questions. Mm. Answers. Answers. Here, I just did that. I was like a superhero. Nice. So uh, we had, last week we had, I, I struggle like hell to find how much prize money and points there are anywhere on the pro membership website for WTC events. Yes, and good old Joe. Good old Joe sent us through a little report, so now I'm going to be concise. I think it's, I think it's jo- Joe Scott. Jo- Jody Scott. Yep. And you were asking about... Uh, oh, this is great. I Man New Zealand has $75,000 US prize money, so it's actually a bit more than Challenge Wanaka. At the, the weekend they had... Uh, 75,000 as well. There you go, at the Asia Pacific Champs. And so then Melbourne has 125,000. Mm. What's the lowest? I'm in Texas and he's 15,000. Mm. That's a joke. Is that a 70.3 though? Yeah, it's still a joke. Yeah, it's a, lot of, a lot of the 70.3s are 15,000. So wow. that's the minimum sort of level. So, and then what is 25,000 for an Ironman? It's the minimum level. It must be. Is that 25,000 for guys and girls? Yeah, it's total prize pool. And then so you've got your championship races, 125,000 in terms of the European championships. Look how many races they run nowadays. And then finally you have the uh, ITU, 70, no, the 70.3 World Champs have 250,000 and then the World Champs has 650,000. There you go. So we'll be referring to that so we no longer have any excuses. I've saved that file for Challenge. how much prize money there is at different races. Yeah, here's, here's a project for someone and it's a boring project but it only take you five minutes and mm. it's just that we're doing a show we can't bother doing it but what is the total prize money for the whole year? So if you okay. added all those up, mm. what do they actually come up with? What do, does WTC actually invest in prize money for a whole season? Because if we look here, there's got to be at least what, including 70.3s. Now, they don't have any of their other races because they run those 5150s, don't they? Mm. They don't have those here. But if we just look at 70.3s and Ironman races, oh, they've got Silverman 70.3, yeah. So, you know, what's the total combined? But they must have, there's got to be at least 100 races here nowadays. Yeah, you've got to do a percentage of revenue or something like that would not be probably particularly high. No. <clears throat> so there you go. Anyway. So that's, that's the, who, who wins first? Who does that first? It'll take well, 30 seconds. You just copy and paste it into a spreadsheet. Well, you do that then. Okay. I don't think it's that easy because it's from a website, but... Okay, I'll give it to you. Jombo, um, we've got another email for you over here. Um, just the WTC IMZ have clarified the rules. This is regarding what we're talking about with the elite stuff. It's got if you have raced as an elite, especially in Monica and Tauranga, then you cannot compete and it's an age group before the WTC. This means you cannot qualify for Kona as an age group. There is a loophole in the rules as New Zealand does not have strict professional registration. This loophole has been addressed. There are a large number of people that were annoyed at people pick, picking their races and choosing their registration status. So there you go. Matt Regan sent through an email about the Armstrong, Armstrong, the Armstrong, the Armstrong lie. Now it's a documentary that's come out, and it's been out for a few months now. And to be honest, I haven't had a chance to see it yet. But the, the the concept of the documentary was that this documentary maker was going to follow Lance's comeback to the sport, and oh, and so a long wait. Yeah, well, no, no, because he he got all the footage when he came back to the sport. And then he was around when he got busted. Oh, right. So okay. it's a really interesting insight to that time, you know, of what happened. And I think on the on the movie, um, Lance is quite upfront about, well, I don't know, we'll see, but check it out, the Armstrong lie. Next up, we've got one here, Mike of Many Faces. He's sent it through that YouTube clip. We've got quite a few people sending it through that YouTube clip with Hitler. 
Yes, it's very funny. Yeah, and you put it on Facebook, didn't you? Yes. So check that out on our Facebook page. And then Mark the Missile Scudamore, have you, have you done it? 4.2 million. 4.2 million? Mm, uh, over how many races? Uh, about 100 and a little bit over 100 probably, or around about 100. And you take, if, you took, took out Kona, if you took out Kona, that's three point, about 3.5 million. Okay, so John, but let's do some, some mm. bad statistics. <laughs> okay, so I'm putting up my calculator right now. Yeah. You're saying they, they put in 4.2 million. What's an average 70.3 cost? What do you pay to do this one? Um, say 350 bucks. Okay, 350. And what's an Ironman cost? Say 750. Okay, so we'll, we'll average it out at five, 500. Say 500. Yeah, we'll say five, okay, five, 525. And how many people average per race? Um, let's say 1,500. It's probably more than that, but let's say 1,500. Average times, okay, times 15. Oh, okay. No way. So I need to go. Wait a second. I need to go. Actually, back to my bad statistics. I need to go. Fifteen hundred times how many races? Uh, let's call it a hundred times one hundred. <clears throat> then times what was it? We were talking about five twenty-five. Yeah. Average kind of. Okay. Here's my bad statistics. I've pulled over. It's nearly eighty million. Mm. And of that, they put back how much? Uh. Just over four million, four point two. So as a percentage, what is it? If I go times, point, I'm not sure if that's right. No, no, I'm not, not going to put up the percentage right now because I'm not quite sure how to do it. But so, so basically, they're putting bugger all back into the sport, aren't they? Five percent. Five percent. Yeah. What do you think, Sophia? Number? I don't know. I suppose it depends on profit margins. It's not necessary turnover, it's profit margins. Yeah, I'd love to know. Yeah, but, but it's interesting because, you know, if you look at a lot of races, I'm sure lots of community people putting a lot of money into the sport. Like, that's only registrations. So then hmm. what about sponsorship? What about all those other things? You know, they're turning over way more than $80 million a year yeah. and merchandise and all those other things. So you could probably argue they're probably only putting 3% back into the pros. You can argue that pretty strongly. It's well, not enough, Bevan. Well, I don't know if it is strong because it's bad statistics, but, <laughs> but interesting. Anyway, um, jo- uh, Mark, the missile Scudamore, he's got John Bevan. He told me off, actually, because we did a Star Wars discussion last week and he thought it was quite interesting uh, relating to triathlon. But he did say, Bevan, it's not Luke, I am your father. It's Luke, oh no, it's Luke, I am your father, not Luke, you are my son. Oh, so obviously good. he likes the Star Wars because nice. he's pretty anal on that one. Nice. Uh, anything else, Jumbo? No. Sponsors. Coffeesofvai.com. Um, it's the year of the horse. Athlinks.com. Uh, reports. Rep- rep- reports, of course. And Extreme Endurance. Yvonne. And John doesn't have sore legs. He never does. No. Never. He needs to train harder. Long show. Got to wrap it up. Got a call coming through. Well, how's, how's your week been, Ben? No, tell, no, tell. I'm not, I'm not, my person's actually not there yet, so. Oh, so we can talk. We can talk. And then when they come to say two more minutes. Yeah. Just say, oh, look, oh, just a couple minutes away. Yeah. Okay, what's your, what's your goss? Uh, well, pretty much my race was all that was all that happened last week. Did you do anything uh, in Auckland? Uh, no, stayed with Douglas Scott. Good old oh, good old Doug. Yep, and other than that, no, I just took that Coro Club Lounge to pieces. Oh, how'd you go with that? On the way back. Uh, I, I went pretty long on the Did way you? back. <laughs> I think three servings of the curry and <laughs> plenty of cheese, a few wines, got out there a bit early. Did you think the balloon to go up? No. Did Phil no. to go up? Yep. So did he go in with you? Because you no, can take he, a friend. He, he stayed an extra night. He's already a member. Uh, He's richy rich. Well, that's the thing. I can just come with you now. You can. I don't even do because we've looked at it. 
Because yeah. you've, you've, you've made me think. Yeah. Because we're with the Qantas card, mm-hmm. and I've got a crap load of Qantas points. But the thing is, is that the old, to be honest, it's pretty much on par with what you've got when mm-hmm. we looked at the points. But you have got the, the Coro Club thing. Mm-hmm. 375 bucks. I think you probably made that just in that meal then. Oh, I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you made your yeah. money back. So it's all good. <laughs> so we're flying in New Zealand to Kona, aren't we? Well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? Any uh, other goals? No, I think Australia. No, it was all just about the race last week. Just got to get back on the training and looking forward to Taupo. Bevan. Yeah, I'm just trying to think about it. You were in Wanaka at the weekend. That was. Uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was I don't even know. I either back to work, back to teaching aerobics. Oh, yeah. How's the body? Actually, I'll be honest, because my knee, I took six weeks off, and I'm a good boy. When I take an, if I'm trying to get my body right, I'll do what I have to do because I'm not mm. an idiot. So I took six You're weeks not off. Not an idiot. Far no, from no, it. I'm sure no one's ever thought I'm an idiot. Yeah. But I, I took six weeks off and um, and stayed off it. And then when the doctor said to start doing exercise and all the rest. Mm. And then last week, I went back to non impact teaching. So I did mm. some spin classes and. Um, some pump classes and stuff and I was like oh well this has been pointless because I was mm. in a bit of pain and then last night I taught the hardest class I teach which is like high impact you know just basically beat yourself up for an hour mm. and it was fine so mm. it still feels a little bit sort of touch at times but mm. I'm, I'm kind of you know when you get had an injury and you kind of want to be hopeful but you don't want to get too excited yeah I'm kind of in that place right now. Good. But yeah. I'm hopeful that I can start running in the next kind of maybe three or four weeks. Oh, don't get too carried away. <laughs> Just come swimming with me. Swimming? Yeah. I did swim a little bit over that time. I bought a 10 pass, used two of them. Good. I've sat in my wallet for the next 10 years. Good. And, you know, because I like to see, I, I mean, I've set fitness goals other than my work mm. for the last probably two years. 100 100s. Set yourself a 10-week plan today. I reckon, I, I reckon I'd struggle to do them on two minutes nowadays. You'd be right, 50, but 50 through 100 would be a struggle. Yeah, I'd just, no, I wouldn't have to do it at all. Mm-hmm. I'd really, what do you reckon I could do it on? Maybe two, two 30s? I mean, you'd be able to do them on two minutes. You'd just, you'd just blow out. You'd just get to a point where... Yeah, you no, know, but I mean, actually complete it. Uh, yeah, two minutes. You reckon? Yeah. I don't reckon, because when I went down to the pool that day, <laughs> I was thinking there's no way I could beat Newsom in a 50 metres sprint right now. <laughs> there's no way at all. Oh, very good. Right. Uh, other than that, this week, oh. Yeah, <laughs> no, carry on, sorry. I still haven't, my person's still not there. I've got to finish painting the deck. Yeah. And no one's, guys, if you want to make millions of dollars, and all I want is 5% of your profit, yeah. is invent, invent the gap thing for the deck. I'd have gone between the. Oh, why has nobody invented that? It's such a simple idea. Just get your brush and go in between, get a small No, brush. but it takes forever. Whereas mm. if you created, like, what you do is think of, a, if you listen to this, think about this. Create, like, a, just a, a kind of a a line or like a piece of paper that's a little bit thicker mm. and then you have a thing that wraps around it that's like a brush mm. and you can almost expand it a little bit so then when you put it in the gap you expand it out a little bit and then you just go sweep down Yeah, that would be pretty quick wouldn't it it would be pretty that quick it would be pretty quick paintbrush Dragon's Den there's an opportunity for you I tell you Someone else do all the work. Always on one is 5%. Mm. There we go. So there we go. Paint and I'm going to say thank you to the Pete. lots of people who posted stuff on Facebook and said, well, uh, good luck and stuff on the weekend. It was appreciated. And, 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 and I will deliver next time around. Yeah, he will. And also um, everyone who I met in uh, Wanaka, love seeing you guys out there. It's awesome. Nice. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.